This week on Out Now with Internet, we are talking the boy and the heron and a bunch of hodgepodge. Does my beak look big to you? We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is... Abe! Aaron, I'm back. Abe, you're back. I am, yeah. You're here. I I mean, physically, yes. (laughs) I'm so glad to hear you. I have been away for the last three weeks, I guess? Three... Three episodes, but uh, you know, it might have rhymed with something like a smovid ish nineteen. Um, I wasn't away for all of it, in, in meaning like wasn't sick. So anybody listening, I wasn't like you know super uh, in bedridden kind of the way. I was for a few days, but it was just more that I was telling Aaron like I'm not gonna expose myself or anybody else to uh, the lingering residuals of this uh, until I'm super clear uh, in movie theater. So I wasn't able to watch any new releases. And that's why Aaron was holding down the fort for us. So thank you, Aaron, and all the guests. I mean, I'm just glad that you're better uh, and that you're you're here because I can only <laughs> run the show by myself for three weeks. So like you reach. The oh, that's limit, the maximum. Yeah, which is nice. And even right now, as I said, and always, I was hoping you were there. I didn't actually know. Oh so, yeah, yeah I mean, exactly. It, it's yeah. it's good that you popped in because boy, would that have been awkward. Could have been a ghost in the shell. Because we exactly that. It could have been exactly that exactly. reference. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Not, not a ghost in the machine, nope. which would make way nope. more sense to be less specific and be a ghost nope. in the shell. Ghost in the shell. I know too much, and then the government's after us. Not a ghost house of some kind, like in the Animatrix. Mm-mm. Um, Mm-mm. We don't do that. Is that. Is that canon? Yeah, all the Animatrix okay. is canon. All right. It, it's just stylized. Okay. And it fucking rules the Animatrix. <laughs> it's I've great. heard of such. Yeah, you, you've been singing its praises. Have like, you never watched the Animatrix? I've never seen them, man. Oh my god, it's great! That's Maybe just as a, a holiday just... festival, walk. you should. It's just a cool two hours of like two hours because it's like eight shorts or whatever. Yeah, that's right. I know it's like ninety minutes. I think and different directors. It's right. all different directors. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> it's okay. it's like what? What if we all just gave you an assignment? You did it. Well, <laughs> I'll put... <laughs> how dare you? I was gonna make a joke about myself, and then you made a joke about me. I was like, well, no, put... I, no, no. I meant that's what the Wachow- that's what the Wachowski oh, said to all these nice. anime. Because like the whole thing is like they love anime, and they're like, now we have all this money. What can we do? What if we tasked like these anime creators that we love to like make Matrix segments sure. to be in the thing? <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. I mean, again, people love this stuff, and and the Matrix has a, a wide world that they're really invested in. So it's not. We just should about definitely keep world. talking about this for another five minutes. We should, yeah, yeah. Keep going, keep going. Out now is a film podcast. Right? Oh, is it? It's oh. weekly. We also like to have these special bonus episodes with one of our fun commentary tracks some thoughts on news of the day or something a little bit different and this is a little bit different and a little bit of the same because uh this week we have a bit of a hodgepodge we have a yes. number of things we want to cover and go through but we also have a main review for the boy and the heron yes the from director hayao miyazaki mm-hmm. uh so yeah be prepared for a lot of different stuff but first yeah. up uh some show notes here um as i'm recording this the first one i want to bring up is happy hanukkah it yeah. is the what are we to record it's the fourth night of hanukkah right now currently at the time of this recording but i'm just saying it out there to begin with Mm -hmm. um more on hanukkah in a little bit actually um but uh what else commentary tracks um this month we have a new commentary coming it's recording this week actually it is for in honor of the upcoming release of the film wonka we are going to be talking the 1970s classic willy wonka and the chocolate factory Mm mm-hmm 
that is the plan for this month's commentary track. So stay tuned for that. That should be a lot of delectable fun. How dare you? You should have uh, said something like, it's going to be scrumptious. It's, it's, don't think I don't have a list of adjectives to use <laughs> when we're actually in the commentary track. Well, Aaron, thanks for making <laughs> what that. What a tasty joke list. that was, Abe. Hey, <laughs> look at us. <laughs> look at us. Who would have thought? thought? <laughs> not me. And it's not like we're not going to do more of these when we do our episode a week from now. <laughs> this The listeners are already sick of this. Uh, they're not going to be sick of all our Timothy Chalamet impressions next week. I'll no, they're that. not. I mean, is there even a Tim- Timothy Chalamet impression that people have? Yeah, you just kind of start talking and act like you float away because you're so small and light. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Right, Abe? I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm waiting yeah, to hear more next week. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. Uh, but yeah, so that, that yeah, the commentary is coming. Um, and if you're liking all of the silliness that were presented to you at this very moment, uh, guess what? There's a lot of other silliness that we presented through a lot of moments throughout the years. And you can find all those moments of silliness and more on iTunes or Spotify, where you can find our podcast on all their other episodes. And you could also leave us a rating and or review, which would be great. It would pop us up in the old iTunes charts. Thank you so much in advance. What a great holiday gift that will be, getting an iTunes or a Spotify. Well, you know, I don't know. Maybe getting a Lexus would be nice. I have a I have a nice car. What about Alexis? I was just gonna like take more it's, gas. It's, yeah, I'm just seeing a lot of these giant red bows on Alexis on TV commercials. Hey, Alexis in this economy. I exactly. I know. What do you What are you thinking? Yeah. <laughs> I think I rarely use the term. You know how in, gas prices are right now. I think I think I rarely use in this economy with something that actually applies to that term. <laughs> uh, we're a movie podcast. I know. It, it, <laughs> It's always like Napoleon in this economy. Like it doesn't make, <laughs> make any sense. <laughs> I always use that with uh, people and children. It's like two kids in this economy, yeah. one kid in this economy, and then your uh, your siblings say, "Go away." Yeah, yeah. They're just like, uh, "Abe, it's already been done." So I already have the kid now. It's like, all right, all right. Okay. You used that joke three times this week already. <laughs> <laughs> all right, uh, all right. That's let's let's go over your notes. Let's get to a. Let's see here. We there's. As we like to do on this podcast, we talk about trailers. Yes. Uh, there are a lot of trailers uh, that have come out that, frankly, we don't always have time to get through. That's right. And before they get too stale, we figure, why don't we just do like a marathon of trailers this week for Trailer Talk? Sure. 26 we're gonna do. Yeah, we're going to go through a number of trailers of movies that are coming out uh, and go over what we think of them, what we thought of them, and all that. Mm-hmm. So let's do this. Let's go through. Let's start this run. First up, Chicken Run, colon, Dawn of the Nuggets. Ooh. The Chicken Run crew are back, except for the racist one, Mel Gibson, the chicken. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering how you're going to approach the subject. Uh, very directly. He's being replaced <laughs> by, as you would guess, Zachary Levi. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's also not controversial, right? Not but not compared to to, um, <laughs> Mel? to, to, to old Mel. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, this is a sequel to Chicken Run, obviously, mm-hmm. um, from Ardman, uh, Ardman Studios. Uh, here's the thing. Yes. Uh, it's directed by Sam Fell. Abe, do you happen to know what other movie Sam Fell Oh, has trust me. I know what other movies Sam Fell has directed. Paranorman. That, that is exactly correct. And yeah. a fucking now, now favorite. Yes, <laughs> so, that's right. Yeah. Along with Fust Flushed Away from Artman. Uh, uh, yeah, that one had um, uh, Wolverine in it. It did have Wolverine in it. That's yeah. right. Kate Hugh Jackman. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yes, uh, so like I'm already inclined to be like I'm very much interested in this movie. Okay. Um, but it uh, like so the Chicken Run, which I saw all the way back when it first came out in 2000. Um, was I it liked 2000. It. 
Yeah. I thought it was 06. I don't know what I'm thinking. 06 is like when Were Rabbit came out, like around Okay. Then. Yeah. That's a good um, one too. I really like Were Rabbit a lot. I haven't seen Chicken Run since then. Like mm -hmm. I haven't I haven't like I never I never re revisited it. Not because I don't like it, it's just because I never like had the need to be like, oh I'm gonna watch Chicken Run right now. Mm -hmm. I don't even know if I'm gonna do it before this movie comes out. But with that said, I you know, I'm certainly curious. I Arbin. I'm always I'm down for mm -hmm. what Arbin's putting out. But Abe, how about you? What are you are you excited for a, a new chicken run movie, the Dawn of the Nugget? Quite excited. I think primarily because of what you're saying with Ardman. I have a I have a long history with Ardman, dating back to VHS copies of Wallace and Gromit, um, Nick Park and Ardman, I should say. Um, mm -hmm. Back in you know VHS copies of of Wallace and Gromit, their three shorts, um, and then just really getting excited when things like this would come out, or other Ardman productions, or other Nick Park productions would come out, and you're just like, oh, I'm glad that people are catching on because I love seeing. This claymation style, I love that you can see thumbprints within the within the clay. I love that there was like a tweet that Ardman was like, hey, we're running out of clay. And people are like, take all, of, I will make clay for you. And there was like a lot of support for Ardman. But overall, I mean, the trailer itself was like, it's it's pretty compelling. Like, I, I really like what they're setting up here from the standpoint of like um, trying to escape from the killers and trying to, and then maybe going to the city and to these killers. Uh, and then hijinks that ensue, including, you know, a family, a family, uh, family story that's involved. So I, I'm really looking forward to this. And it doesn't even matter that, you know, you and I have had our, our differences with Netflix in the past, you know, movies that go directly to Netflix. But I certainly think that this one would be more of like in the wheelhouse of Ardman versus um, Netflix uh, and kind of just having Netflix distribute it. Yeah, it's what I generally think when it comes to who's who they're selecting to, you know, be involved with when mm -hmm. it's, you know, certain auteurs or, certain companies like yes like Ardman where I, I'm less concerned of the final product because it's not about Netflix being like let's uh you know have our version of something it's more of we're distributing a thing because of the people involved that would like to make something for them and have it go out in their own way um and yeah like you know I'm I as we're talking about this, I'm like maybe I should watch Chicken Run again just to be like, let me get back on the. <laughs> it's, on a, the it's a breezy movie. It really. Gets I, I'm sure it is the Nardman movie. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, I'd also say that I the only this is like a very slight criticism, but I don't know how Sean the Sheep got so popular. Like he's he's had his his own life. Like he has a TV series. He's had a few movies. Two and movies. Yeah. I get it. Like you know, just from the standpoint of children, and I like when stories don't have anybody that really speaks in them. So you kind of you really just get the story from watching and getting the emotional, uh, uh, the emotions on their faces. But I was like, I don't, I didn't know that this character was going to be the breakout star of of the uh, Waltz and Gravit series. So people get like on to it, I guess. People like stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if it's keeping Ardman in in, in uh, production, then great, fantastic. I I have I have so little like awareness in the in the realm of Sean the Sheep beyond like yeah it's out there I it's not like it's not a thing I latched onto in the way that I did with like Walls and Gromit yeah like, exactly. but I'm happy it's there uh, he was just a thing. cute sheep in like one of the episodes of Walls and Gromit and uh, he spun yeah. off to have a successful TV series exactly yeah. he he's the Urkel of the group he's the Urkel of the group I'm sure that's how he loves to be credited <laughs> he's the Jaleel he's White the of, of the group there you go. Um, well, Chicken Run, Dawn of the Nugget, arrives on Netflix December 15th, so not too far away yeah. here. Yeah, great. All right, the next thing to cover here, The Book of Clarence. This is an upcoming biblical epic comedy drama from director James, James Samuel, who previously directed The Heart of They Fall, the uh, Western, uh, uh, the Black Western that came out mm -hmm. on Netflix. 
Um, this film features Lakeith Stanfield in the title role as a down in his luck uh, guy living in Jerusalem in 29 AD, um, who's trying to capitalize on the rise of Jesus uh, by attempting to also be a new Messiah sent by God. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, this film is a satire. Um, the film has, uh, much like the, uh, the 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 previous film, his West uh, Samuel's Western. Uh, you got a number of stars here. You have Keith Stanfield, as I mentioned, Omar Sy, R.J. Seiler, David Illowo, Alfred Woodard, Tiana Taylor, James McAvoy, Benedict Cumberbatch, a bunch of people in this movie. Mm-hmm. Abe, what do you think of this trip? Really intrigued by it, uh, especially the satirical part of things. But I just like that there was really sharp writing and even like a two minute trailer that I was watching here, um, whether that's from uh friend of the show is he friend of the show he is friend of the show like keith stanfield of course I mean, we've known him since like you know short term 12 days mm-hmm. as keith stanfield but uh, yeah friend of the show like keith stanfield just delivering solid lines like it has a really interesting premise of what they're trying to do and perhaps like a different point of view of the experience of it all which I, i'm always down for um and so i'm curious to see what it's going to be all about and, and so i'm pretty excited for this trailer for this movie yeah, as I have claimed multiple times, The Heart of They Fall is one of, if not my favorite, like Netflix original. That's not like, you know, one of these, you know, like a Scorsese project sure. or something like that. Um, I think it's just downright fantastic. Um, so Samuel has a just like a, an easy, like, say yes to whatever he comes up with next mm-hmm. pass right now mm-hmm. for me. So, yeah, and this looks uh, very sharp, very quick witted, very fun. Um, it's got a big old cast. I'm sure the music will be great. <laughs> like there, there's, <laughs> there's not a lot speaking not in its favor. And in a realm where movies like this, you get things like Monty Python's The Meaning of Life. I, I, I'm down for like when there's something, something that feels like it's, it's being said within the text that's also just mass, massively entertaining. Right. And so I just yeah. hope it delivers on that um, as effectively as it looks like it could. Um, yeah, I I don't know what else to expand on because it just looks like a lot of fun. Yeah, you said this is a director Netflix. It's not. No, it's a, it's a, it's a Sony release. Oh, great! It's going to, it's going to theaters. Good, 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 good. Okay. Yeah. Um. So this is uh, and it like it premiered like in, at a film festival in October, I believe. Oh, really? Um, and, yeah, yeah, in the London Film Festival, and it was supposed to come out in September, but then it got delayed by the guest strike reasons, perhaps. Just oh, okay. Sure. You, you know, you got to find ways to like advertise movies like this and then yeah. it's not an easy not an easy sell if you don't have you know like the 12 person cast saying anything about this movie at the time sure uh but now it's arriving in theaters january 12th uh 2024 okay. which makes me curious if there's like because if it was gonna if it was gonna come out earlier that makes me think okay so there's gonna be an awards run so it has to still have that i assume so that's probably why and it's comedy like this it's i'm just i'm just curious like uh, yeah <laughs> the, i mean but you and i've talked about how the in the past January used to be known as like a dumping month, but recently, like in the last like decade or so, it's it's every month is pretty good with movies. So. It's a, it's a dumping. Well, yeah, and for sure, and it's also it's a dumping month for like stuff that's left over that they're just releasing because hey, why not? This right. is more of like a, this was gonna come out in September for you know an awards type run, sure. so it, it feels like it's still doing that to simply qualify at this okay. point. Yeah. But, uh, all right. The next film we have is Mean Girls. <laughs> Uh, and I'll add the musical, even though the film I was going to ask you. Yet. Yeah. <laughs> um, and if you watch this trailer, you'd still not know that it's necessarily a musical. The only the only hint that this movie is a musical, if you don't already know it, is that some of the posters have a musical note in the place of one of the letters hmm. in the A. Um, so <laughs> it it's baffling to me because watching this trailer, even though I I, I know it's a musical, 
when you when I watched it, I was like, this just if I was a random audience member, I just think like, why are they remaking Mean Girls fairly shot by shot, but with a different cast? It's <laughs> not that old, <laughs> not that old to deserve this kind of a remake. Right. Um, but yes, it is based on a very successful Broadway show. <laughs> right. That's, yeah. That was adapted by by uh, Tina Fey and uh, with, I assume, music by her husband, um, Jeff Richmond. Um, yes, it is. Uh, oh, and great. so here we are. We have Andrea Rice. Uh, in the Lindsay Lohan role uh, as Katie and Renee Rapp as the the Rachel McAdams character, Regina George, mm-hmm. uh, among many others, including returning Tina Fey and Tim Meadows. Yes. Um, Abe, are you a fan of me? Like, is Mean Girls your jam? Are you a fan of the original Mean Girls? Do you look forward to this? You know, I, I do like the original Mean Girls, 2004 Mean Girls, and I... I like it for a variety of reasons, primarily because of of way uh, ways Faye's writing in it. Uh, but I also just really enjoy the performances, and I kind of enjoy like the um, the Lindsay Lohan character. You know, um, I, I I like that person's arc um, in what they're trying to do in this movie. So for this one, you know that I like musicals. I I'm always like, oh well, what's what's the next genre that Wes Anderson should take down? It's like a musical. Uh, and so I'm curious to see how this plays out. There have been a lot. You and I talked offline about this. There's just been a lot of like, uh, what's call it? Like concert movies. Um, but there's also gonna be. It feels like there's just a lot of like musical things that are coming out soon. Um, and uh, it did have a really good run on Broadway. I like that. It or I don't like that. It says this is not your mother's Mean Girls. Mean Girls came out in 2004. This movie's gonna come out in 2024. That's very young mothers. <laughs> no, I'm saying like, but there it's like, uh, it's 20 years. People that were probably like 12 when they went to go see this are probably like 32. Like. They're probably not going to have kids in this economy, you know, bringing it back. But um, we'll see uh, how that part goes. But yes, yeah, I, I'm excited for this movie, mostly just because of the musical aspect of it. Like, obviously, the story is going to be the same, or at least I think it's going to be the same. But um, I, I hope that it it goes off well, because sometimes the translation from stage to screen can be a little tricky, especially if it's not a direct um the way that hamilton or yeah hamilton was shot for for disney plus during the pandemic where it's just it's just a copy of or it's just a recording of that was just the, the show exactly yeah it's just recording the show but you know we've talked about things like dear evan hansen and even like i wasn't the biggest fan of les miserables uh from 2012 or something like that 2012 yeah yeah so it was it's one of those things where sometimes it can be a little tricky to to adapt but tina fey is show running this so uh, i'm i'm curious to see how it pans out Oh, yeah, she's, you know, it's her screenplay. She's producing it. You have yeah. directors as Samantha J and Arturo Perez Jr. on hand here. I assume they have theater backgrounds. Mm-hmm. I see because I see literally nothing else when it comes to film. <laughs> um, I I will say this. I've seen Mean Girls in full once, which was back in 2004 in theaters when I saw it. I haven't seen it since. I've seen clips every now and again. I, I, I don't dislike Mean Girls. It's never been like a huge favorite. It's more of I always feel like it could have went further. That's my, oh, that's my okay. take on Mean Girls. I always, I always think this could have been darker. Um, but, <laughs> yes, I, but I certainly yeah, like, I, I like what it's doing. Uh, it's, it's just not one of the, like in the realm of like teen comedies from the nineties aughts that, uh, and, and you know, granted there are much worse movies. Oh, <laughs> I mean, 100%, especially mean, in that time frame too. Mean Girls is very good by comparison. Yeah. It's just not one that's like stuck with me in the same way that something like, I don't know, election offhand. Um, I mean, that's 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 like a like a generationally good movie. Though. I, I get that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, so Mean Girls is for many other people. Uh, so, you know, sure. but that's me. So seeing a musical version of it 
my curiosity just comes basically from what the music is because I have no idea what the musical is. I, I, yeah. I beyond being the story, I just don't know what it sounds like. In the same way, where I was curious about like, I don't know what the color purple music was at the time. I've seen it mm. since. We'll talk about that in a few weeks. Yeah, uh, but like, I, I, my curiosity came again from, so what? How do you do this that way? So that's that's what I want to see in the realm of why Mean Girls would have my interest. Like, yeah. what's the what's that version look like? I think that you and I are on the same page about that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, so we'll, mm-hmm. I was going to say the last thing about this is I think the reason why I kind of cling on, not cling on, but I, I enjoy the 2004 Mean Girls so much is it reminds me of the Wild Thornberries where it's, you know, a, a family that is on safari in Africa and, you know, they just have adventures. But in Mean Girls, it's a redheaded girl that comes back to the States where her parents, like, were scientists and, and you know, archaeologists or I forget what the profession is in Africa. And I was like, it's 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 like a, a human or a real life version of the Wild Thornberries if she came back, if Eliza Thornberry came back to the U.S. So. What if that happened? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I, I really I, I think I really enjoyed that. Isn't that what like the Dora the Explorer movie is? Uh, Dora the Explorer movie. What do you mean? Well, like her parent, like her parents are what Ligoria and uh, yeah, Pina, and they come back and and she's well, they get school, kidnapped like, because they... well, they go back to the jungle, I guess. But like the yeah. the first portion of that movie, isn't it like she goes to like the real world? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, like, yeah, she goes to like real school with her cousin. Yeah, and she's just kind of weird. That's a good movie. People should see that movie. Well, me, you don't girls. think it's a good movie? <laughs> I didn't see it. No, I, I oh, I you didn't. I didn't see Dora the Explorer. Oh, I think that I think you'd enjoy it. Probably how, it looks like, fine. Off, I just never got around like, to like comedic. It is just never got around to it. That's all. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, well, we both have homework this weekend. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Shit could run and door watch, on my list. Yeah, apparently, I'll watch. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess I'll watch all the two hours of the Animatrix. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, mean Girls, the musical, not the title, arrives in theaters also January twelfth, twenty twenty-four. Okay. Competition. Yeah. Next one we have up is Bob Marley colon One Love. Hmm. This is the biopic version of Bob Marley's story. He's played by Kingsley Benadir, uh, who was starred in One Night in Miami, uh, among other things. He was Malcolm, mm-hmm. Malcolm X in that film. Um, he's also been uh, he's been on a few things I've seen since then, including uh, oh, that's right, of course, Secret Invasion on Disney Plus, um, which is definitely a show that occurred. Um, but <laughs> regardless, the, uh, this film was directed by Ronaldo Marcus Green, who directed King Richard mm-hmm. um, as of late. Um, yeah, uh, tells the story about Marley's life. Abe, are you interested in a Bob Marley biopic? Uh, I am because of what this trailer is showing me. And you and I have talked about Wikipedia movies, and I think that this one feels like it's much more contained. It feels like it's it's a specific portion of Bob Marley's life, not the entirety of it all. And and if it is the entirety of it all, I hope that you know it's not going to be bad but i i'm very curious because I, I think from what i've seen from this trailer i've seen this trailer a number of times it just feels like it's the lead up to this concert um so the the uh the actions kind of directly preceding it and then into the concert so um i will be i'm hopeful for what i'm going to be seeing here because of everything that you mentioned here with um uh, Green, the director, and also I think like Zach Balin also helped write this movie, which is the guy who yeah. also wrote for King Richard. Um, so it's like a team up again, and I'm curious to see how this goes. But uh, I am I am hopeful for this. Yes. Yeah, it's him. There's Terrence Winters involved also, who uh, basically show ran Boardwalk Empire. Oh um, wow! When that okay. show was on, 
And um, I, I agree. I, I am hoping that it has a specific focus, which it looks like it does. But also Bob Marley's life is fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, as much and there's been multiple documentaries, including a wonderful one called Marley from Christopher McDonald, um, Kevin McDonald um, a few years back that I think is terrific. Um, but I, 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 I am all for like more people learning about Bob Marley. And if it comes mm-hmm. down to a movie to do that, I'm not against that. Hopefully the movie's good, ideally. And given, sure. I, I, I like what when Lotto Marcus Green has done. I liked, I liked King Richard quite a bit. I liked, uh, Monsters and Men, his first, uh, film with, uh, well, a few people, like Ramos and Johnny Bay Washington, among mm-hmm. others. Um, but, uh, no, I, I, I think if handled correctly, there's a lot to really deal with as far as balancing his, you know, his political side as well as his right. music, obviously, and just him as a person. Uh, I think there's a lot there to work with. Yeah. I uh, Kingsley Benadir, I think, is solid in what I've seen him in as far as an actor goes, and he, you know, he he has the little bit that I've seen. He's doing something that seems to be channeling Bob Marley, which is mm-hmm. you know always helpful because that's a very specific figure. Um, that goes beyond just he has a reggae he has you know he's a reggae singer and he has a jamaican accent like there's more there that i think if handled again properly right could be you know beneficial given the messages bob marley had and what he wanted to do with his life so mm-hmm. um I, it's not necessarily concerning but the movie comes out february and it's like well if this was like a huge awards player you'd wonder why it's not coming out in like november or whatnot so right i, I I don't want to like cast dispersions in that kind of way and think like, well, if it's not coming out then, then what good could it be? I don't think that's necessarily the case. Um, it, I, I just may, it's like the one thing I was like, well, let, I want this to be good. Um, right. So we'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, what if they're just like, let's get like a, a, a 10 month Oscar run. And honest, I mean, yeah. Um, and honestly, I'm so confused right now by the, the, um, some of the processes involving deadlines or whatnot. I was like, well, uh-huh. does it qualify? <laughs> is, it, is it still like in that run? Does it have early screening? Because uh, things have been shifted around so much recently. Right. Um, but I, I would doubt it at this point. I don't think that's... I mean, like, what is Dune coming out? Like March, right? Dune is out, Dune's out of the, the race completely. No, 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 no. But I mean, like, it's coming, it comes out... It comes month. out March 1st, yes. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, like, you know, like a few weeks later. So... No, yeah, it's not yes. impossible for movies to... And it's not like this matters ultimately if we like right. the movie, we like the movie. But... Yes, it uh, you know typically a film that's trying to qualify for awards is not going to come out in February, let alone March. Um, right. But uh, we'll see, we'll see. It, sure. You know, all of that's you know that's that stuff to consider later on. For the time being, no, I'm certainly interested in the movie. Yeah. Um, the, by the way, it's shot by Robert Ellswit. Um, what worked with you know Paul Thomas Anderson, yeah. um, among other you know very various talented directors. So like this movie's going to look great. <laughs> I, can tell, I can tell you that right now. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, the film arrives in theaters February fourteenth, twenty twenty four. For just in time for Valentine's Day. Exactly. One yeah. yeah. Take love. out your uh, take out your partner for a nice dinner and then go watch Bob Marley in a dramatic movie. There you go. All right. The next film, speaking of dramatic movies, is Garfield the movie. <laughs> wow. Sorry, the Garfield movie. Thank you. Yeah, Garfield the movie is the, of course, famously starring Bill Murray version. Bill Murray. Yeah. Uh, this is the very much needed reboot of the Garfield franchise. <laughs> Um, which obviously, if you think lazy lasagna cat, you're like, who are they gonna get this time? Chris Pratt. Uh, <laughs> here we are. <laughs> uh, Garfield. <laughs> we also have Harvey Gann as Odie, Samuel Jackson as Vic, described as Garfield's estranged father. Because if I once again, if I think Chris Pratt, I think Samuel Jackson has to play his estranged father, that character we always know from Garfield. <laughs> Um, we also have Hannah Waddingham from Ted Lasso, Ving Rhames, Nicholas, Nicholas Holt as John, 
uh, Cecily Strong, Greg Goldstein, and Bowen Yang, among others, providing voices for this film. Um, I'm not going to read the plot synopsis, but if I had to guess, uh, um, the cat is back, goes on some kind of adventure involving apparently his long lost father, and probably <laughs> eats a lot of food and gets sarcastic about things. It's just a guess as far as what could happen in this. I don't movie. know. I mean, just, I don't know, Aaron. Maybe. Um, so, like, my obvious uh, cynicism aside, Abe, are you excited at all for a Garfield movie, an animated Garfield movie? You know, there's, like, a meme where there's, like, uh, there's a um, an interviewer interviewing a football player, like, a high school football player, and he's talking about, like, how they, they got us in the first half, not going to lie, um, and then they end up winning. This is kind of how that meme works out in real life, because I was watching this trailer, and I was like, oh, my gosh, it's such a tender, like, nuanced, kind of sincere trailer and then Garfield just eats like a whole pizza pie and uh, gets into Chris Pratt voicing it. And I, I, I know that people were kind of like, uh, like, Oh, is he going to do like an accent or like, is he even going to try for the Mario movie? And he's like, no, no, he kind of put something on. And in this trailer, I was like, I don't think he's trying anything. At least just Chris Pratt. And that kind of, <laughs> I don't know if it irks me. I was like, Oh God, another Chris Pratt voice animated movie. And, I, I don't know how I feel because even as you were explaining the plot itself, which is unfurled in the the trailer, mm -hmm. I was like, is this the adventure we need Garfield on? <laughs> like I had no I've read Garfield for quite a while. I've never I've never really like kept up with it, but I know who he is and I've been aware of him in Sunday comics and you know I've seen I've seen all like the books and whatever else. Uh, I've just never really been like, oh, I wonder who Garfield's father is and what his origin story is. And <laughs> that's, that's... Like in the Sony offices said though. It's like, guys, I mean, I know we want to make Garfield, but what can we do? Well, what if we explored who his father is? Right. <laughs> and I think that gets me into the positive part, which is like, you know, Sony Animation has made some good things that I've really enjoyed um, ever since like something like Cloud with the Ninja Meatballs uh, came out. Um, and I was like, oh, Sony kind of putting themselves on the map with like a different kind of feel for the, their their animation, but also like, the stories that they're trying to tell, which can be uh, goofy, but um, kind of like also have like a heart of gold kind of thing. So I'm I'm very curious around this Garfield movie. I, I, I I'm again, I'm just not really sure of like what the plot's going to be or how the plot's going to un unfold. But who knows? Maybe, maybe it'll really win me over by the end. I am. Um... <laughs> I you, know, I, I you know me I, I i am not a guy that walks into a theater with his arms crossed i look into everything i see with optimism and think okay let's do this hope for the best mm -hmm. i it's really gonna be hard like <laughs> 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 obviously like i'll warm up to it on the day i actually like finally see this thing but like right mm -hmm. now sitting here i'm just like chris pratt again as garfield now like it's not it's not like i, I have nothing against chris pratt if anything same I think he, yeah he, i think he in the in guardians 3 is one of his best fucking performances ever like he's really great like but it's just the notion of okay cool lego movie he's great in that lego movie too he's parodying himself that's wonderful mario okay that's a choice i guess i don't mm -hmm. see that and and like now garfield's like how many things does this guy need i don't understand what else doesn't there other work for him to do i don't get this uh, for like continually blessed characters less and less inclined to be voiced by somebody that looks like chris pratt i don't understand mm -hmm. um there aren't there other famous people that could presumably draw audiences in by way of animated voices i don't understand mm -hmm. this um i <laughs> I 
I, I don't know what Garf what you do with Garfield that makes it like suddenly a, a major draw. Yeah. And I don't feel like some kind of adventure with his long lost father is necessarily the answer to that either. But um it's I can fully see animated. where it can go. I, no spoilers here. I can see where it can go, but obviously, like, yeah, I'm on the same page with you about the father. I can piece. see where it can go based on what we've seen. Like, yeah, I get it. It's just more of do we is there a like what what's the gain? <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Yeah, this? yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, like I, I, it's like I'm highly skeptical. Uh, the director, uh, Mark Dindal, on the one hand, he made one of Disney's best animated movies, The Emperor's New Groove. On the other hand, he made one of Disney's worst animated movies, Chicken Little. Uh, so I don't know. <laughs> that kind of cancels each other out. I didn't know that he made Chicken Little. Now, now, now I'm even more worried. They kind of, kind of, can't, kind of cancel each other out right there. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't know what else. Garfield the movie. Sorry, the Garfield movie uh, arrives in theaters May 24th, 2024. Good God, we just talked about, what did we talk about last week? We talked about Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes few, a few months ago. That's May 24th. And then... What are we just? What's coming out? It's the other Mad Max. I can tell you, but it wasn't there. It's Furiosa. Yeah. Um, So we have three dystopian future movies: just Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, Furiosa, and the Garfield movie, all coming out Memorial Day weekend. Mm -hmm. Because obviously Garfield exists in a dystopian universe. Of course, yeah, yeah. Just where lasagna's running wild. Okay, (laughs) lasagna's running wild. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) The next trailer we have here is for Inside Out Two, the sequel to. Let me check my notes. Inside Out. Um, this is the latest Pixar film. Um, it's going to theaters, <laughs> back by popular demand, some might say. Um, it's directed by Kelsey Mann. It's her debut de- debut film. Um, they've been involved in plenty of other Pixar films, much like other other directors. Um, yeah, the, <laughs> the the plot's basically the kids growing up. There's more emotions, including anxiety. Um, who's voiced by Maya Hawk. And they are joining oh. all of the others, uh, apparently except Mindy Kaling, <laughs> because she's been Bill replaced Hader. by Lee. Yeah. Oh, Bill Hader's not back either. Yeah, oh, he's to- Tony Hale is Tony Hale's fear now, and Lee- Lisa Libera is discussed. Okay, uh, <laughs> Pixar not paying the bucks, I guess, to get these major major talents. It was quite, is quite a, a a drop off from Amy Poehler. <laughs> so yeah, I can see why. <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, Inside Out too. More, more emotions. Abe, where where are you at with this? You know, uh, the original Inside Out. What year did that come out? Like twenty fifteen. Fifteen. Um, I I liked it. I didn't love it. And I think I I liked it because, uh, I think some of the things that kind of held it back were the same things that people were also talking about, which is like, well, why aren't we seeing more like the outward Riley like <laughs> actions? I, I feel here. like you used to love it more, but every time we have David on who hates it, you like like it less and less now. <laughs> <laughs> it's rubbing off. Um, so. <laughs> yeah, but I, I certainly enjoyed the idea of of Inside Out, and I, I like the execution within of all these memories and what Joy has to do in that original Inside Out in 2015. Um, you know, sequels have not really been a, a thing for Pixar up until as of late. Uh, so That's I'm, not true. Wait a minute. <laughs> no, they've had they've had like Toy Story. The toy besides the Toy Story franchise, you know, they've had. Not a whole lot of um of sequels, uh, minus yeah, like Monsters to- Inc. and whatever. Toy Story, Monsters, the Cars movies, yeah, the, yeah, Dory, Incredibles, two, yeah, but those are those are recent ones. But again, like I I think that they were not really going on like the sequel train unless it was like a money making machine. With all that being said, though, I I don't know what the appeal here would be. You know what I mean? Like I I get what they're going for. 
Riley's growing up. She's becoming like a teenager now. And there's a lot of different hormones that go on and a lot of different emotions. And I totally get that. But I just don't know how this is going to be different from the first one where she was going from like, you know, a toddler baby into like childhood. And that's sort of the same kind of it's not the same progression for for, for a person. But wouldn't the story plotline kind of be the same here? Like, oh, well, now we've got to understand that she's not the same person as she was like 10 years ago or three years ago. And that she's she's kind of coming into her own. Like, I'd be curious to see where it goes. And I'm sure that there's going to be some uh, some warm, fuzzy feelings that I'm going to get from this movie. But, you know, I, I'm not like I'm not like waiting on bated breath for, for this movie to come out. But I am curious to see, I guess, what's going to happen. Um. I will say I like I like In and Out fine. It's not my favorite. In and Out. I like In and Out fine. It's not my favorite. It's, you know, Five Guys is, and fries are great. But oh. um, I like Inside Out fine. It's not my favorite. Um, but like I, I mean, you know, Pixar doesn't half ass these as far as like making sequels sure. to yeah. their you know giant successful films like this. You know, the the Oscar winning first film that made just ducats of money, mm-hmm. and so like. And the, the story seems pretty clear to me. Like, you know, you have from going from child to like adolescence, from adolescence to puberty. I mean, it, yeah. like it, it, there's a natural extension I can see as far as what you would do with this. And Pixar's, and especially with having, you know, female filmmakers behind the scenes working on the Riley character, I can see what the progression would be and how you would evolve that in a way that feels natural and organic to sure. this universe. Um, is it like the the you know if if I wanted more of something from Pixar is this the first thing I'd ask for not necessarily but I I could trust Pixar a studio that is very good at what they do uh, in delivering on a story that like makes a level of sense and that would intrigue me I just hope it yeah I I hope it I would ideally want it to be you know very good mm-hmm. um, and ideally fix the areas that I had issues with in the first film um, and given that many Pixar sequels are up to the task of equaling their first film in many cases i i'm not against the idea of that being a possibility here yeah um yeah i you know the idea of more emotions just makes plenty of sense i of course curious what that you know brings to the table as far as upsetting that uh sense of camaraderie um yeah uh yeah I, you know, Pixar movies in theaters, good. That that's where I, that's yes, where yeah. I, my, my, I tend to land on these things. Uh, same page. Uh, and I mean, and at the at the most of it too, like it's a very like bright and colorful world that Inside Out presented to me. And I and I, mm-hmm. if if they're going to expand on that as far as Riley's like imagination or you know whatever's whatever's inside of her head and how they visually want to represent that. I, I'm curious what else that entails, given that yeah. like not only are there more emotions, but that's going to be there's more mechanics and whatnot involved, yeah. and that does provide some like interesting like areas. I'm just going to warn people that if they bring back Bing Bong, I'm going to be so mad. It's going to be three Bing Bongs, three oh three Richard <laughs> Kinds. I'd be like even madder. I'd be like, yeah, yeah they murder here? him every half an hour. What's going on here? My my emotions were like so deep in that first one because of Bing Bong, and and you're going to just casually bring out three of them. <laughs> Uh, Inside Out 2 arrives in theaters June 14th, 2024. Okay, wow, okay. The last trailer we, we have think here, about it during the summer box office. Of course we do. Right. <laughs> yes. Um, the, hold on, where'd it go? The last trailer we have here is The Fall Guy. Uh, this is the upcoming film from director David Leach, starring Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt. It is 
adapted from the 80s TV series of the same name. It involves a battered stuntman. Uh, <laughs> it's just <laughs> and and his his uh, girlfriend, his ex girlfriend, yes, who's direct, yeah. directing her first film. Uh, some kind of shenanigans ensue that involve these two getting in some kind of uh, wild adventure to find a, like a missing star of the film that they're making. Um, action and stunts and all kinds of things ensue. The thing that I will note is that this film was originally supposed to come out in March, and then things got shifted around. Mm-hmm. And what we normally get in May, of course, at the beginning of May, is the summer kickoff movie, which is all which has been a Marvel movie for the past like seventeen years in a row. Along those lines, <laughs> wow. um, and that's not happening anymore because Deadpool three had to get delayed because of the strike. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this movie got bumped from its March release date to May. Uh, to the beginning of the May kickoff movie, which is certainly from the perspective, the kind of the optics that presents is that Universal loves this movie and thinks it'll be a big hit because you don't release a movie at the beginning of May if you think, oh, it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that in mind, uh, Abe, are you uh, curious or excited about The Fall Guy? I am, but for other reasons. I think it's mostly because um, Ryan Gosling, when he plays like dumb, lovable guy, is a really fun character to play. I and mean, we saw that in Ken or as Ken in the Barbie movie, but also in like the, um, Oh my gosh. What was the Russell Crowe movie? The nice guys. The nice guys where he's just like, Oh yeah. Dumb lovable guy with like, and I, I, I like when character, when actors kind of like sort of quote unquote, like break out of their comfort zone. Like, I don't think Ryan Gosling is ever going to break out of like leading guy roles, leading man roles. Um, because he's like a good looking guy and he's, he's a good actor. Um, uh, but yeah, when he's kind of approaching himself as like, hey, I'm just going to like do funny things. And hopefully it's used well because it does need a sub a, a level of like, don't go overboard with, you know, dumb guy stuff. But um, I think the other part of this that intrigues me is like David Leach. You know, we've talked about him from the John Wick series. I think he left after the first one, yes. but he's done a few other things. And like, I think from his filmography, maybe it isn't as strong as Chats the Helskis, but. Uh, because he did Deadpool 2, and I was like, I don't think this is like a great movie. And it's like it's got some funky things. But what I like about this particular movie is that it's a it's a kind of salute to the the stuntmen of the industry. Um, and I, I I think that these two people, you know, David Leach and and Chad Zahelski, uh, while they might not be working together anymore, they have been very pro stunt person. Um, and they've been very like you know adamant about like just how important these these characters are or these people are for movies. And so kind of just having this movie be like a meta movie about, you know, like almost Tropic Thunder style, like let's make a movie and something goes wrong. So we got to go make a we've got to go follow this person around. That's fun. And I'm going to I'm curious to see what, how all the stunts look. I'm sure they're going to look great. Um, and I just hope that it kind of comes together and in, in coalesces into like a nice um, movie that you can really, you know, kick off the summer with. I, I'm sure the action will look fine. The I'll just be upright and say it. David Leach is the reason I'm most worried about this sure. movie because yeah. I don't think his movies have been very, very effective. I at do all. not blame you. I, I'm not big on Atomic Blonde in the same way that many other people. It kind of goes both ways. It seems. Yeah. More, more I like it more than you did. Deadpool Two is fine. Hobbs and Shaw is fine. Bullet Train is fine. Like yeah. I, I'm not huge on him. I, I feel like he's the problem with most of the movies, uh, outside of the like you know. Knowing what you know, having eighty-seven the the uh, the the stunt studio and whatnot that involves in all their action sequences, like that works. But like as a director, I just don't see him pulling off many things really well. Sure, understandable. Outside of that, though, you do have Gosling and Blunt, who are you know solid 
adventure comedy performers. They've proven mm-hmm. that many times over at this point. Drew Pierce is writing this, who uh, wrote uh, Iron Man 3, and he was involved in Rogue Nation. Uh, he's, Hotel Artemis is a movie that we both kind of like, oh, that's pretty good. <laughs> so, yeah. like, I, and he's been involved, he's behind the scenes, a lot of stuff too. Like, all of that stuff I'm intrigued by, and this premise in general, I like, as far as if you're going to, you know, do loose remakes of 80s TV series, this is a pretty good one to do for like a summer blockbuster. Mm-hmm. I, I get that. Um, I, I think the quite long trailer that I just stopped after a minute and a half is like, I get it. I don't need more spoilers right. for whatever's going to go on. This movie. <laughs> um, I, I was into, I was into the vibe of what was going on with these, you know, these, uh, these actors and their chemistry and, you know, the, the, the look of things as far as like, yeah, what if stunt men were the center of an action movie? Cool. I'm down right. with that. Um, so uh, yeah. On the, you know, the, as much as like, it's, it's not a matter of me, like when the release date is, it's not like it's going to, not inspire me to think of better thoughts when you're saying this is going to be like the kickoff movie of the summer like that you know it's that that's that doesn't make me think less of what the potential could be so yeah i also just wanted to add that you know the emily blunt aspect of things too i didn't i didn't mean to leave her out but yeah when she's playing like fun goofy characters that's also fun you know Mm -hmm. we've seen her as like dramatic actress and also like action star in something like you know um i was gonna say never back down but um edge of tomorrow um you know, yeah, she's she's fine in those, but when she's goofy, like you know, I didn't love Jungle Cruise, but she's good at Jungle. Yeah, Cruise. she's only uh, one of the yeah. highlights of that movie, and yeah. and it's because she's like playing like this character that is like whimsical and fun, but also very smart and adventurous, and that's that's a fun thing to do, you know. So sure. and it certainly gives me those vibes here too. So yeah, Emily Blunt, I, I'm curious to see like you know how this movie turns out with these these two people. And uh, Winston Duke's in here, and I like Winston Duke. Winston Duke him, is in here. Haven't seen him since uh, Wakanda Forever, so it's been he's been a minute. Yeah, but um, I'm I'm down for Winston Duke being in big things. So um, there you go. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, as I mentioned, this is the kickoff movie of May. May third, twenty twenty four is when this movie arrives. Mm-hmm. Um. So we will see. There you go. All right, we've done all that. <laughs> yes. Now let's talk about more movies. Aaron, I think it's been like 45 minutes. Who did do trailers? <laughs> let's just uh, let's quickies. Trademark. Trademark. All right. Um, there's a few things that we're going to go over here yes. um, and um, do as well as we can to get through them. Um, but I certainly want, I certainly have things I want to talk about. Even you have things you yeah. want to talk about as yeah, well. So let's, let's go through this. We're going to kind of go back and forth here. And I'm going to start with uh, leave the world behind. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, this is a movie that's now on Netflix. It's directed and written by Sam Esmail, the creator of iRobot, among other things, based on a novel uh, by Roman Alam, a 2020 novel. I should make that clear. Uh, it stars Julia Roberts, Mahershal Ali, Ethan Hawke, and Myla. Um, it's about a family that goes on a trip to Long Island to a rented house for a vacation um, and on the first night uh, two strangers uh, Marshall Lee and Milo's character arrive um, saying that uh, it's our house and uh, we for due to circumstances we decided we wanted to come home to avoid other things going on mm-hmm. soon enough things around communications are cut um, weird things seem to be going on outside it's it, there's evidence that the world is like going through some kind of change but because everybody's cut off from society they don't really know exactly what's happening um i like this movie okay. i um i think it it at its best it really rides on tension between the characters because we have largely roberts and hawk dealing with marshall and myla and they don't know each other and it's 
based on that casting alone, there is inherent racial tension that the film plays up really effectively in a really okay. realistic sort of way that I, it's the kind of thing where it's like, I'm, I'm, will I'm frustrated in the good cut where like, I'm, I'm watching this and I get it. <laughs> and it's like, I see what's happening here and it's compelling in the right sort of ways for me. On top of that, there is this like, what's happening with the world right now? I don't quite know. And I'm in the same position as the characters where I'm gradually learning things as we go along. Mm -hmm. um, because it's Esmail, it's very stylish. It has a lot of uh, a lot of showy moves um, and what have you. And it's the kind of thing where I can forgive it, like not forgive, but like I can go along with it just because it it fits the vibe of the movie in the right sort of way okay. where it could be it. I I don't have like a high, there's not like a higher level I need to put this at at sit at, at to to place to place this on where it's you know too theatrically handled or too over the top. It's more like oh, I get the vibe of this movie. It's a it's a Netflix end of the world movie. I don't, like I'm happy seeing a better version of one of these as opposed to one that doesn't quite get it. I do think that like there's a lack of characterization for some of the people involved, mainly the kids uh, that are in this movie mm -hmm. that kind of hold it back from being stronger. Um, but I think it's quite effective again, in like building certain levels of tension and doing interesting things with what this kind of end of world plot would be like wh the why of it all is whether or not it's answered. I think I I'm left with enough information that I was satisfied by. Okay. Um, and yeah, no, I, th I thought it was pretty effective. I, I, I is a, uh, is it a long movie? It's yes, actually it's okay. too long. It's two hours and 20 minutes. That's a long movie. It is a long movie. It's yeah. a long, like, and it's not like it's unentertaining, but it's certainly like, there's a lot of movie here for okay. only having, you know, basically four main characters and a couple extras like it. But I mean, again, I, it's quite effective for a Netflix okay. watch. I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm down with this. This, this does the stuff. Okay. I'm, I'm, I've heard mixed things, mixed positive on it, um, but I'm curious to go check it out. It's on Netflix, right? It's on Netflix, yeah. Yeah. Okay. How about you? What's next? First things first is uh, I finally finished Reservation Dogs. Um, okay. I'm going to go into some TV here. Obviously, like season three is like their uh, their last season here. Um, they Season three certainly feels like a whole mishmash of, hey, let's try a bunch of things out that you guys wanted to try out. Um, and also, uh, we'll have some closure for these characters because – the first two seasons were about, you know, their cousin or one of their characters, cousin Daniel, and kind of how, how that has affected their lives and how they wanted to do things for Daniel. Um, and then uh, season three certainly feels like it's um, it has a nice close up. But specifically, I kind of just want to call out like the episode Elora's dad. Um, what a great which, episode that is. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's like a phenomenal capital P phenomenal episode of television. These are the things that I think that, you know, you and I have talked about in the past where we used to think that not used to think, but we, we where there was like the this this idea that, hey, you know, for these streaming services, there could be things that people could take a lot of chances on and they could they could be doing cool things. And while this season does do cool things, the reason why I'm harping so much on this episode is because this episode features a. I don't, is it a surprise to name? It's a it's just a, it's a major actor. It's a major actor in this role as Alora's dad, and the entire journey that it goes on is a complete journey. Like in thirty five minutes, like mm -hmm. it feels so deep and it feels so strong. And this character, this actor that you are aware of, like there's a lot of there's a lot of a certain director that I really like, and there's a lot of there's a lot of certain character of 
um a a movie that this person has been in from this director and i think aaron knows what i'm talking about yeah, yeah, yeah. um and i i just really dug it because it's so flawlessly like like earnest um and i think that this actor just really helps to bring that out draw that out of of this episode but again like the episode doesn't doesn't just keep on like the happy fuzzy moments it actually goes into like real questions of like why did you leave my my mom and like oh uh, like who am i to you there's a lot of questions like that and i don't know there's just a really strong sense of direction really strong sense of writing i think like like the the devry jacobs kind of helped uh, help direct co-direct this or something like that or co-write this episode and i was like this is just an incredible display of what you can do like in a 35 minute mini bunch again completely blown away by this episode because the whole season was kind of just going on about like um uh, interior character development stuff from everybody else on, on the res um and it's great and it's fun but yeah this this episode in particular i was just watching and i was like i was just blown away by it and just i hope that people will take the time to a watch the show and just kind of just like kind of marvel at its three season run um but this episode in particular is just like I, there were some good episodes in the past that i really liked this one just really like knocked me out and and i was just very thankful that i i was able to see it yeah not to short shrift the you know the the native actors that make up this cast cuz they are all excellent in this yeah. series but yeah by having him here it's such a good performance yeah <laughs> it's like god damn it like he's just, it just really works in the favor of like building out this world even more as far as under having more understanding of like certain aspects of these characters right uh i've always had a weird relationship with reservation dogs where i think it each season to me starts out really strong with its first episode then i feel mm, like i always need to it, it, it always catches me off guard when i'm like really into the show uh, compared to like where I was where like yeah. I I think it kind of builds up more and it's maybe just because of like the arcs of the season or what have you where I just like find myself getting cut I'd be curious to rewatch it maybe I probably appreciate it even more just because I know where it's going yeah uh, but like the third season I think is incredible like very cons- it was more consistent for me as far as I was really enjoying it from start to finish okay uh, but I do think the last several episodes where they're specifically wrapping up arcs and what have you really good stuff because the finale is yeah. fantastic i i really sure. i really like i really like how things resolve themselves and everything yeah. also lily gladstone has like a great little cameo or you know like a sporting car part in one of the episodes as in well one of the episodes i mean she's she's, pretty... she's in an earlier she's in a, yeah it's an earlier one but like the way they round out what right. her character is in this show i think is really effective yeah I, I definitely agree and it's weird because i've never really felt as though the the first few episodes kind of tagged me in and then like probably like the third or fourth episode i'm just like oh this is a good episode or like a good season so i'm kind of like the opposite of what you were saying there no but, i think that's exactly what i'm saying i feel like i i have oh, like, that you're saying that you you enjoyed like the the intro like the first i felt like i think like the, the 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 first episode of each season i'm like okay cool like here's like our kickoff or whatever and then like it takes a couple episodes for me sure. to like get into it more I right feel right like. yeah yeah so reservation dogs check it out if you haven't it is probably one of the better shows of the last decade um for a variety of reasons but yeah that that's specifically the Alora's dad episode um just top-notch stuff and I, I mean that from all directions directing writing acting um it is it's so complete like you you compare it with a, a lot of other movies and you just be like this is a great day all right next movie i have here is the teacher's lounge okay. uh, this is a german film uh it's coming 
I think it's in theaters, like select theaters in December 25th. Like, so yeah, around Christmas day, it'll spread wider. Um, it's about this kind of younger idealistic teacher. She's in Germany. She's Polish. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a series of thefts going on at school and it, it leads to suspicion of the students. Uh, but then things take a turn when it might actually be one of the uh, faculty and, Things go from there, but the main teacher that we follow, she tries to play both sides as far as wanting to support the students while also trying to, you know, obviously be a member of the faculty. Mm-hmm. Um, this movie's great. <laughs> um, is this a comedy? No, it is not okay, a comedy. Okay. It is very much a thrilling drama. Wow. Um, okay. Where it is very intense to watch just based on seeing a lot of different attitudes clashing with each other, mm-hmm. uh, seeing different personality types uh, playing off of each other, seeing people respond in different ways, seeing kids respond in different ways. Um, it's the kind of movie where I'm yelling at the characters actively because I'm so into what the story's presenting to me. <laughs> like I'm I, yelling at my television. Fascinating. Okay. <laughs> um, Cause I'm like, I, I just need things to happen a certain way, but it's not going to because certain people are stubborn or ego or what have yeah. you. Um, it's really well acted. It's really good. I, I there's only so much I can say about it beyond just more compliments because I just think sure. it's really effective what it does. Uh, the, even in the realm of I can see where some of this may be going, I'm still actively participating in what's happening and wanting to see things like play out the way they do. Mm-hmm. There are choices being made where it's like that's gonna that's gonna backfire on you. I just know it. <laughs> like there's stuff like it's that kind of tension that I really I'm really into when a movie does it well. I don't like that. I mean, I do like it, but I know Ex- what you mean. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Te- the Teachers Lounge, great movie. Certainly recommend it if you get an opportunity to see it. When you were describing the setup of it, I was like, this sounds like The Hunt, but except it's not theft. But even when you were describing, like, screaming at the TV, I was like, that's The Hunt. <laughs> I mean, kind of, except like The Hunt's dealing with more, you know, sensitive a different matter. Type of material. Yeah, right. Um, but it has the same kind of vibe where, like, oh my God, like, if, all, if, if yeah. we all just, if we all just stopped and talked for a second, we could figure yeah. this out. <laughs> I was like, you fucking bitch, you fucking liar. <laughs> so, but yeah, really, really strong movie. Okay. Uh, the next movie here that I've watched is a movie that Aaron talked about a while back. It's Bottoms. I finally caught up with it. Bottoms oh. is a, a movie where these two uh, teenagers in high school are. It's it's kind of taking like the teen uh, rom com thing from like the '90s and 2000s uh, and turning it into two lesbians that are trying to lose their virginity before they graduate. Um, and in doing so, they start like this like you know Fight Club slash like uh, how to how to defend yourself type of club. Um, it's really good, and it, I laughed out loud at parts of it. And I had been waiting for a movie that is very funny, but I think the really the 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 best thing about it is that it's breezy, and I don't mean this in a negative way. It just gets to where it's going, where it yeah. needs to go right away. It's like an hour and thirty minutes, but because it just like takes off, and there's no like doesn't really feel like there's a bunch of lulls. It just it just makes it a better movie. And then like, obviously I'm a weird person in that. I like when crazy things happen in movies, this movie has crazy things happening in it. <laughs> and I'm just really a big fan of, of like the way that they have like a fight sequence at the end of this movie on a football field or um, like just very strange things about how like the, the, the uh, cool kids and the, the football players are just always wearing like their, their football uniform, their entire uniform, including cleats. 
Yeah, yeah, just like in <laughs> Where, class, which you like, can very much hear. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so, yeah, I, I should uh, I'd be remiss to mention that uh, Io Itaberry, uh, who we know from the the bear, the bear. Um, and also Rachel Senat, who was in, I didn't watch Shiva Baby, but that's kind of where she kind of. The previous, uh, the director's previous film. Yeah, short. And then also they made into full. Like, I will say that they're both very good in it. Io certainly seems to have like a specific like kind of character tick that you kind of see also in the bear um, where she can kind of go uh, super speed at times. So I'm curious to see how that how that works out in the rest of her career, like hopefully in a good way. Um, but overall, like it's a very breezy, funny movie, and there's a lot of really good. Aside from these two main characters, there's a lot of really good side characters, you know, including Marshawn Lynch, um, uh, I, Independent Spirit Award nominee Marshawn. Are Lynch. you serious? Yes, I'm serious. Good on him. Yeah, good on him. But um, best no, uh, like, breakout performance he got nominated. Fantastic, because he's really good in it. He's and, hilarious in this movie. Like, yeah, he's got to be serious at times too, and I really like that. But I, I, I want to give another special shout out to just. Um, they're, the character's name is Hazel, played by Ruby Cruz. She's hilarious in this movie. Like, there are just mm-hmm. physical things that she's doing that I think about, and I was like, that's a really funny thing for her to do. And is she the one that gets punched? She is the one that gets punched. Yeah, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, <laughs> but she's the one that sets up the fight club. She kind of, like, has, like, this weird, like, um, like uh, uh, infatuation with PJ, who, play, who is played by Rachel Sennett. And so I'm just, she has, like, a really funny, like, body humor language in the movie and it, when you see it you're just like i get it but um yeah i just enjoy that this movie is not about like guys trying to lose their virginity before uh, high school is over and instead about two two women uh who are who are lesbians so yeah bottoms check it out pretty fun yeah it's a it's a really funny movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah marshawn lynch is so good he is yeah it, to the point where i'm like give me more marshawn lynch in movies please <laughs> <laughs> i mean he gets the outtakes at the end too which is also fun so yeah um well great i'm glad you caught up with that one yeah um the next movie i have is the delinquents okay this is an argentinian comedy drama heist film um and it's those things in distinct ways Hmm. this is very much a part of like slow cinema because it's three hours long and three hours without being like a this is a breezy three this is not it is (laughs) okay it is a deliberately paced three-hour film that has humor and drama as well Mm -hmm. as a heist element it's about a a clerk who works at a bank in buenos aires um he has basically a plan of how to steal a bunch of money um, which would involve him turning himself in, but using relying on a friend to hide the money, and they would split it, only for them to recover it once they get out because the money it can't be found, so it would make the sense. Short. I don't know. It's a it's a complicated plan <laughs> they have. Uh, but the movie is essentially divided into two parts, where you focus on both characters involved in this crime, and while that that like an element of it, it's more about like these two people interacting with the world around them and finding ways to separate themselves from main society and kind of learn more about kind of the, uh, the natural world. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it, it might sound more complex than I'm, than it actually is, but it, there is, it, it's, it's, it's quite good. It's very much a character study. And again, it's very deliberately paced, but it, if you're into that kind of a thing, if you're into like a, a movie that you kind of drink in very slowly, it 
it's really effective. There's there's hmm. several good performances here. There is a good amount of humor in it. Okay. Um, once you kind of not like a you know gut busting kind of funny way, but more of like a the observations taking sure. place of the way character interactions work or what have a you. A clever chuckle. Yeah, here and there. Yeah. Um, it looks great just because you're shooting in Argentina and the in the landscapes in a lot of ways, and you just you're just seeing the environments presented to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's. It's just a it's a well managed movie for the amount of time it's trying to take. Could it have been shorter? Of course it could have. <laughs> but yeah. that, I mean, that's clearly what the director Rodrigo Moreno is going for. Is this kind of uh, having a, a sense of place and and really wanting to rely on the environment to help draw you in and tell and let you kind of sink into the story. Is uh, uh you mentioned it's three hours? Is there an intermission that they actually built into this or no? No. Okay. We don't do that anymore. <laughs> that's, that's I wasn't not, sure. Yeah. There's not a thing in the world that we do. It's like except like Indian films that do it. Sure. Um, it's like it's just not really a thing for movies. That don't... Yeah, understandable. But there, was... there are like okay, I will say this. There are like it's not like the movie stops or anything, but there's certainly like transition points where you're moving between characters. No, totally. But there's no like there's no. Like, yeah, the, the movie's not going to say you if you want to pause yeah. and pee right now. You certainly no, like, could. Yeah, like, King and I style that. where it's like, oh yeah, we should take a break for 15 minutes. Yeah. Although okay. if like if um, if Killers of the Flower Moon, if like Robert De Niro like like peeked out of some curtains at one point, is like, by the way, y'all, if you want to pee right now, this is really down for uh, that'd be hilarious. They should do that for the Oscars. Bring, Spill bring. that in. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the delinquents. Uh, it will maybe and say it's it'll be on movie. Uh, the stream that streaming service. Okay. Uh, yeah. If anyone's interested in that. Speaking of movie services and streaming, uh, the next movie that I'm talking about is Xmas. It's spelled E X M A S as just like an ex boyfriend or ex girlfriend. Got uh, it. This is a movie on freebie. And I watched this when I was sick, and it is a, a Christmas movie starring Robbie Amell and Leighton Meester. Um, Why did is, you watch this? I'm curious. Where did I, this come I, it from? Was, it, it was on. It was like there was a ton of ads for it. But but like when you say it was on, it's not like you, like the most popular net or streaming services in the world. No, it's, it's not. On, yeah, it's on freebie. So I'm curious. It's like on freebie, like, which is on my Amazon, but okay. It, it's also enough. where it's also where uh, you can catch Primo. Um, a show I still plan to watch. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, please. Uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts. And so it's Chase Serrano, but um, it's it's a fine movie. Like it, it's not very good. It's not very bad. It's just fine. But <laughs> as far as like uh, what I thought it was gonna be, exceeded those expectations because I thought it was gonna be like a cheesy like Hallmark style movie where it's like, hey, these two people that were engaged that got that broke off the engagement for various reasons, uh. They, th- his family still really likes her, and they invite her to Christmas every year with him not knowing. And then he finally decides to show up because he's a workaholic, and he shows up, and he just hilarity ensues. Right? Uh, they kind of just do like regular rom com style stuff in here without it being overly cheesy. And I kind of really dug that. There's even a part here where Leighton Meester has to pretend like she's not there. She grabs a cookie off camera and just eats it. Like and this is a very specific thing that I just enjoyed, but you know, it's, it's goofy, it's weird, and it's um, it's not bad. There's even like a, a compelling, like kind of sad part thing too. Not about these two characters, but about uh his family. And you're like, oh, because I've been, I've kind of been invested for like an hour with these people. I kind of uh, I'm bummed out about some of the things that happened. So it's not a bad movie at all. I, I if you have nothing to do and you're like wrapping presents or you're just cooking or cleaning the house and you want to have something on in the background check it out it's it's 
again, it's better than like a lot of like those other Hallmark movies. It is not in the vein of them. Like it's not one where it's like, um, they live in a small town and you know they uh he's from he's from a small town she's from a big city it's not anything like that they're just two people that were previously engaged that that are just all of a sudden at his parents house uh for the holidays well i do like robbie ml yeah yeah he's he's uh i think he's got like good comedic uh time I, I like that show upload that he's on he, that's right uh... yeah, yeah i haven't seen season three of that but yeah He's also the, that's, the guy that's that... Stephen Amell, though. I don't know about him, but uh, Robbie, though, <laughs> yeah, I, I like what are he's related. Doing. Are, you, are you asking that really? I know. <laughs> Sometimes I can, I, I'm like, wait, which one is that? Because they look so remarkably similar. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, both have the same facial hair. It's weird. But yeah, that. the Xmas on. on on Amazon freebie. Check it out if you've got some time. Okay. Yeah. Well, the next movie I have here is Mr. Monk's Last Case: Colon A Monk Movie. What? I like that it says monk twice in the title. <laughs> That's really funny to me. It actually makes more sense. It actually makes sense with who he is. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, this is, of course, a TV movie version of Monk mm-hmm. um, uh, taking place years later. The series ended, I th- Jesus, um, like 20. At least like a decade. 10? Like, yeah. yeah it, it was on for quite a while. It was, it was a big yeah. hit for, uh, for, for USA. 2009 was one of the last ones. Wow. Uh, and this place, this takes place very much in a post-COVID world, uh-huh. um, which is, you know, that that in itself is kind of inspired to have Monk in a world where COVID exists and he's dealing with that. Um, uh, the it's essentially, you know, it's a murder mystery, as all the Monk TV. Are you? Do you watch? Did you watch Monk at I all? I love Monk. Yeah, it's a out there, buddy. Big fan of Monk. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I liked Monk plenty as well. I I know I watch. I know I watched like the first four seasons probably. And then like, it was probably maybe a little bit more sporadic after that, mm-hmm. but I certainly always liked monk and like Tony Shalhoub in here. And yeah. And um, everybody's back. Um, Great. Even including captain. Inclu- of course, including captain. Yeah. Ted Levine. Of course he's in here. Uh, they're all here. Um, the, the, James Purefoy is the, um, is the, the main, um, Big bad. Uh, vil- villain in question okay. uh, this time around. He's an Elon Musk type character, which is very <laughs> satisfying to watch. Okay. Um, because obviously he needs to be taken down eventually. It also makes sense because yeah, San Francisco. Yeah, and um, it's it, it, it. You need to. I needed to like briefly Wikipedia myself to like figure out like well where do we leave Olive Monk to like understand like some of the character connections going on here because mm. certainly there's certain people where you're like if you don't know this show it would probably help to like have a recap of what happened in the finale. Um, but I mean, it's not like it's, super, it's not like they don't tell you outright either. Um, but regardless, it it's a it it's a natural extension of the monk story, and it does have a sense of finality to it that was very fitting. I will say, because I'll be curious if you check this out. It's on Peacock. Mm-hmm. Um, it has an it ends in a way where things occur that are both effectively emotional as well as entirely cheesy. What? And I, I I haven't quite decided if what what I like more <laughs> if, I, okay. if that sure. if that if that works for me or if it's just too much. That said, it has a kind of one two three thing happen by the end where I was like, well, now I'm just caught up in the emotions of this. Also, oh. this is actually pretty good. <laughs> like, yeah. um, it is for a very specific reason, but I don't want to tell you. I want you to see. I want you to okay. see it first and yeah. let me know so we can talk about it. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, but as far as a monk's case movie goes, it's like I haven't seen monk in like over ten years, so I'm happy to watch. Another, you know, chance to see him doing his detective thing, doing his monk stuff. 
Even seeing like Hector Elizondo as his therapist again is like, this is good stuff here. This is nice. This is nice. Chicago it's, hopes Hector Elizondo. Exactly that. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, Beverly Hills Cop 3 Hector Elizondo. But um, <laughs> no, it, it was just like, it was a very nice comfort watch. Yeah. Um, you know, it's nothing special. It's not a, you know, an amazing mystery or anything. It's just more like, this is nice. It's nice to be back in the monk world. You're, for a you're describing bit. Xmas right now. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird old Robbie Amell shows up and gets murdered. Um, <laughs> as Monk's son. No. Uh, no, I. it's actually really fascinating that you're talking about this as a Peacock thing because I, you know, I've watched the the Psych series and I've enjoyed the Psych movies on Peacock for exactly what you're describing. They're, uh, they're characters that I enjoy, but also the writing and the character that they've written into the movies, which are basically just extended versions of the, of the episodes. Sure. Um, are nice. They're heartwarming. And you know what? There was an actor that uh, Timothy, I forget his last name. I apologize. Um, oh, yeah. But yeah. Um, he had a real stroke in life and they incorporated it into the show. And it was just really nice because he actually gets a whole movie kind of dedicated to him because of that. And they call it like Lassie something. But um, Lassie come home. Yeah. Lassie come home where they kind of just really directly just head on and do this. And by the end of the movie, they all hug because it's a nice moment because he's he's able to like stand up and he's able to walk because it has taken this actor like a while to kind of recover and he's not he's never gonna fully recover from Timothy it. Timothy O'Mudson. Thank you, yeah. Timothy and he's been in a lot of things, a lot of TV series stuff. But um yeah, it, i agree with you that um, you know, Peacock kinda knows how to how to NBC Peacock, they they kinda know how what they're dealing with, and so I'm curious to see what this monthly is gonna be all about. Yeah, characters welcome. <laughs> Uh, great. Uh, the next thing I'll talk about here, uh, I've been catching up with Bob's Burgers, and this is nothing new. Uh, I've been watching this for a while. This on have season... you? No, I haven't. I just started <laughs> this year. Season fourteen, Aaron. Can you believe that? Yeah, right. Um, but the reason why I bring it up is because every uh, in the last three or some odd seasons of Bob's Burgers, there's always like one or two that seems to always really get me. And I think that they've kind of like been gearing themselves toward this. You know, um, I think that the the family itself, the Belcher family, they're a very like strange group of people, but they all are very nice and they all have very like um, familial, familial uh, priorities. They always want their family to do well. You know, like you see this in evident in other ones. But the episode that I kind of want to really want to key in on, I don't know if you've seen this one. It's it's the second episode of season 14. It's called The Amazing Rudy. This is where regular size Rudy, it's focused primarily on him and his family and how he is the child of a divorce. And it's just, it 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 struck me as like, oh, wow, I, I never I never would have thought that a, a cartoon uh, would kind of go into these things, these feelings of a child that has to kind of deal with um, uh, their parents and new partners. And this is like not a, the premise of it is that they have to go to dinner with Rudy's mom um, and his dad is kind of just taking him to like the mall to go do certain things. And the, it's called the amazing Rudy because Rudy has done magic tricks for his parents. Um, and now they're, they're divorced and now they've got um, people that are that are entering Rudy's life. And he kind of just doesn't know how to deal with all that stuff. And he's like 10 years old. You know, he's not he's like an, he's not like 25. And I just found it to be very tender and very warm and very well thought out and very like nuanced in the way that a child of divorce might behave because he just doesn't like this change um, because he previously did all these magic tricks that were in like not in service of but just for his parents and now he's doing it for some other people 
and obviously like the Belcher family is there, but they're there. It, it does a very special thing um, straight at the gate where it just cuts them out. And then they kind of just show up as characters later. But um, even the way that it's all handled, like I found it to be very warm. And um, again, like, I don't know if you watched episode 13 or season 13, but there's, there's, an I watched called... the, I, the, there's the Christmas episode yeah. last season. Is yeah, exactly. The yeah. fight before Christmas. Yeah. And that episode fucking wrecked me, dog. <laughs> like I wasn't, I didn't know what to expect in that episode. And then when things happened, I was like, this is a beautiful episode of television. I agree. Um, it caught me off guard with the sentiment that was going on there. Yeah, um, like especially at the end effective. there. I haven't yeah. seen season fourteen as of yet, but you certainly have me intrigued to to catch up on. Yeah, I mean, uh, again, where we left off of the old Belcher family. <laughs> There's hits and misses, a lot of a lot of the same stuff, but again, they they've really been keying in like one or two episodes that uh, are are just very good, like very good, and uh, I hope that people kind of pay attention to them because uh, the emotions that you can feel from art can be in different mediums, whether that be animated or live action stage plays or movies or television, you know, and this episode was just really good. So um, I really wanted to call that out for Bob's Burgers. All right. Well, thank you. Yeah. Um, the next film I have, I mentioned earlier that it is Hanukkah. And um, so for the second night of Hanukkah, that was this past Friday, I gave my dad a present, which was oh. to take him to see Days of Heaven, the new 4K restoration of the film at the Egyptian Theater in Los Angeles, Hollywood, which was recently completely refurbished. Um, Terrence Malick is my dad's favorite director. Oh. Um, and so I figured, what a, what a, that's a fun way to do Hanukkah. Let me, let me take him to a brand new restoration of a movie by his favorite director at a completely, you know, newly remodeled theater. Mm -hmm. um, just to describe the Egyptian for a second, it's an old theater. It's one of the oldest theaters in Hollywood. Um, and it, it was purchased by Netflix a couple of years ago and they spent like $70 million to like, just completely redo it inside. And so like all the seats are brand new and very comfortable. Um, they, the audio system has been completely revamped. This, you know, they, they redid like the screen area and everything. So like mm -hmm. now they can screen their films as well as other films like they've done, like they did days of heaven and Terminator was playing in 35 millimeter afterwards. Wow. Uh, so it's like, it's not like they're just doing just Netflix stuff. Although it was amusing to watch Maestro a few weeks ago and then, see, but before that, see the trailer for Rebel Moon right before I got to Bradley Cooper's Lenny Bernstein documentary biopic. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, now I'm definitely in the mood for this. Like they call him Lenny, like, you know. <laughs> Who does? <laughs> um, but yeah, so we we went and saw Days of Heaven, okay. uh, Terrence Malick's 1978 uh, drama uh, on on Friday night. Uh, and I mean, I, I've seen it before, but this movie is wonderful. Um, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know if you you've seen Days of Heaven, but I been, a, been a while. I certainly recommend it. It stars Richard Gere, Brooke Adams, and Sam Shepard. Um, Richard Gere. Uh, plays a man who is committed a crime and goes on the run with his sister uh, uh, or sorry, it's his girlfriend, but they pose as brother and sister. Um, and, 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 and then the sister, or sorry, the girlfriend has a younger sister. that's also with him. They go to work on a, on a, on a, um, a farm in the Texas panhandle. Sam Shepard runs the farm. So they're like there for like the harvest and everything. Mm -hmm. And like a love triangle forms between gear and, and Adams and Shepard. Um, it's a little more detailed than that, but regardless, it's a Malik movie where the main thing is this movie is gorgeous. It's one yeah, of the like most beautiful. beautiful movies ever made. Yeah. <laughs> like it's um, um, just a gorgeous film to look at, and very, very much you know in the Malik milieu as far as the use of nature and 
the environments that you're watching, the the any of Milarconi has the score, like everything just combines mm-hmm. together for just the, this very lyrical film uh, to watch. It's certainly certainly a good one to see, and seeing it, it just had a, a 4K released on Blu-rays or on sorry, on 4K Blu-ray as well mm-hmm. from Criterion. Um, so it's, you know, you one can see this newly restored version at home as well. Uh, easy recommend as far as that goes, and it's like you know, Malik movies nowadays <laughs> seem to be a bit longer. This one's right. 94 minutes. This is not a hard watch. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, like, it, it certainly has taken a change in the last few years. Yeah. Like three hour uh, movies. Uh, but like, yeah, this this is that, you know, this and like Badlands, those are those are quick films to, to put on. Um, and, you know, I always used to say Badlands is my favorite Malik movie. But watching this and like it's just seeing it presented at a big screen this way or whatnot, it might be Days of Heaven now. Like, I think it, it's wow. just it's so good. It's just so, so good. So well done. It hits a lot of the similar themes as Bad, as Badlands does, and just has more going on. Just because Malik is more, it's his second movie, so he says he has more abilities at his sleeves to to work with. Um, but I mean, it, it's it, it's pretty easy for me to say Days of Heaven, a classic that everyone already acknowledges as a classic, is mm-hmm. a good movie to check out. But yes, I'm saying that go check out Days of Heaven. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> is it was just a special run, or there or were they going to be like, well, it's going to run for uh, every Thursday for the month of December? No, no, it was just, yeah, it was just the premiere screening of okay. that 4K restoration. Like, they'll you know, if it gets programmed again, it gets programmed again. But yes, it's not right. like a continual running thing. So, right. but again, it's on Criterion on 4K now, so you can yeah. use check it out. And uh, follow the question: Did you guys stay for Terminator? I if don't believe me, I would have if my dad was down <laughs> for it. I I was sitting there being like, we could go to Terminator. <laughs> um, so no, I did not. Although that no will worries. connect to the next thing that I talk about. Okay. Uh, well, the next thing I'm kind of playing catch up now in terms of the last few things, but I watched Napoleon. Um, and I didn't listen directly to what you guys were saying because I was just more or less playing the games. Uh, for the episodes that that, that I missed out on, I thought that it was. I thought it was okay. Um, I think that there were certainly things that I liked about it a lot more than other things. And the, I really like the battle sequences, the way that it's staged. Really, Scott is no is no um, slouch when it comes to these types of movies. Um, but I certainly was kind of curious more about the Napoleon character himself. And you and I talked about Wikipedia movies, or I mentioned Wikipedia movies earlier when we were talking about the Bob Marley trailer. Well, this is not directly a Wikipedia movie. I think it's much more engaging than than a Wikipedia movie. It does still go through like a lot of different aspects, a lot of different battles of his life. And when I think about movies like this, where I'd be curious to hear like what maybe some weird nuanced characteristics might be of a person that they're keying in on. It's not really that apparent here. Like there are some things, bits here and there. Um Obviously, there's going to be like a four-hour cut of this, which might go into a lot more of it. But for the theatrical version that I did watch, there's just things that I'm curious around. Like, well, sometimes he says that he was like called by, you know, by heaven to like lead France. And then what did what did being an emperor actually mean to him? Or like, you know, his downfall seems to be a, a myriad of things. But I'm curious, like, why he his military planning failed him at Waterloo or whatever the case is like. There's like some things in here that I, I, I hope might be addressed in the four hour version, but um, like it's it's a very good looking movie. It's just a little flat sometimes in some of the character stuff, um, including Josephine, who I think actually has a little bit more character development. Um, but still, I, I just, I, I am just, you know, in awe of some of the sequences that they have here. But some of the characterization stuff, I, I just would have liked more of it. And not to say that. 
it is a long movie, but not to say that I wanted it super long, just more of I I wanted to know more about this guy. Like what made him tick? You know, why did he love France this much? Uh, you know, and, and stuff like that. So and also like I guess at the end title card here, there's like some interesting facts about the number of people that perished in these wars on the French side. And it would have been fascinating to kind of just see that depiction of like this guy might be uh a a, a victorious um commander in general but at the same time like the losses were so great and what was like that trade-off what was that that you know uh scale look like so yeah napoleon is um it's not that it's polarizing it's just more that i i kind of i wasn't expecting a whole lot out of it i just was impressed but at the same time i thought it was a little flat so I'll let, you, you. Uh, I'll let you listen to our review to hear more of our takes on the film, but I uh -huh. will ask you this. Yes. Did you find the film funny? I did at times. Yes. Okay. Cause it, it's very funny. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, I, and I think, and the things you're asking is as far as who Napoleon is, I, from, at least from my take, you can hear what Marcus and, mm -hmm. um, and, um, the fuck else is on that show? <laughs> I don't know. Don't worry, we'll we'll insert that in a post. Or I'll... Um, Luke. Oh yeah, it's Luke. Okay, yeah. Um, Luke Thompson. Yeah. The it it's it it's certainly a very funny movie. The fit and then and while they have their thoughts on the film, I I will say as far as you asking about like what what's going on with Napoleon early, Ridley Scott from my perspective is very much highlighting what a ridiculous person he is um it's very much yeah. not on his side and it's highlighting why he's so ridiculous and trying to find a trying to find meaning behind it which he's centering on josephine who i and vanessa kirby i think is very effective in the movie mm -hmm. um i agree i and i'll wrap it up because i don't keep going because i yeah, already yeah. talked about napoleon yeah, but i'll just say like two and a half hours yeah. yeah i very i very much am looking forward to the extended version of this movie just to yeah. see because if anything it feels very oh very, it feels very clear to me that ridley scott like not compromised but certainly like made a version that works and theatrical cut but like mm -hmm. is intended to be the full version that he made which is this right. four and a half hour version that's coming to apple four and a half wow okay even longer. He, said, he says four and a half so we'll see but okay regardless that's that's what i i meant like i'm anticipating in a way where i expect it to be really good like i already i already quite like napoleon i i'm looking forward to seeing like the the full vision that he had in sure. mind for it yeah yeah, it's not it's not without flaws. I don't disagree with that. Yeah, whatsoever. yeah. And again, like again, it's better than a Wikipedia movie. Like a well, lot of much so. It's, it's focused on his reign, which is. Yeah, it's focused on these battles. But it, it, when I think about like movies about like great men and stuff like that, it, I certainly think about specific like uh, things that uh, engineered them to be the way that they are or specific like ticks and whatever else. I agree with you that there's a lot of there's a lot of like weird humor here, and, like offbeat humor at times, too. Because I, I laughed at one point where he's opening up his sarcophagus, and not even like when he grabs the box, but he's like getting on his tippy toes. And I was like, I laughed at that stuff, like stuff, stuff like that. It's because it's there, like it's so. Because yeah. so, what I what I kept seeing is critics were like, "Oh, Ridley Scott's got a really weird understanding of how to handle the tone in this thing." And it's like, have you seen Ridley Scott movies? They're they're funny. They're, like it's yeah. not new for him to have humor in his films. Yeah. Like, I never. Yeah, that wasn't one of the larger criticisms that I had. I, I know you're not yeah. saying that, but it's, it's like a weird, like constant dig as as far as why <laughs> why I'm not big on Napoleon is because I I don't know. Like it, it has this weird tone and has ideas going on that I don't get quite get. It's like I didn't think that there were enough ideas. That's my my larger thing, and not that he has to go through every one of them because that'd be 
ridiculous. Which is why um, I think the the much longer version will, yeah. will be well rounded in that regard, where like yeah. it'll it'll probably pace out better by being the full thing that he wanted to do. So. Yeah, exactly. Like there's like global powers at play that I that I'd be curious about, like with the fu mentality that they had with him, you know, mm-hmm. and and how he took that later in life and tried to like rewrite it, you know, and obviously it doesn't work because he talked to those two little girls and there's like it's known that they did this to themselves kind of thing. He's like, okay, well, um, but yeah, uh, Napoleon, um, fantastic looking, pretty great. Uh, but at the same time, I, I'm curious to see, I guess what else we're, we're going to get out of it. All right. Um, uh, well, so I mentioned that Terminator is playing after, um, days of heaven. Days of heaven. Yeah. Uh, so I drew, we drove home and, I was thinking about putting on Terminator. I was so close to it <laughs> where I was like, I could put on Terminator, but all, but also on my mind was Point Break just came out on 4K. Oh. I haven't watched that yet. And like Terminator, if I'm watching this, it's merely because I just feel like watching Terminator, not a bad feeling to have, but it's also like, well, it's on its old Blu-ray, which isn't very good. Meanwhile, I have this brand spanking new Point Break Blu-ray or 4K. When am I going to get, when am I going to watch this? Because I, I have all these other things to watch. It's late at night, so I watch Point Break. Okay, um, I've seen Point Break so many times on television, on DVD, and on its crappy Blu-ray that it had for fucking uh-huh. years, and now it has a 4K. So now I'm finally seeing Point Break like the way it was intended to look for like essentially the first time. Okay, I mean, <laughs> it's I so love Point Break as far as the movie goes. So it's like great, this is awesome, and now I get like this crystal clear version of point break wow. to look at the surfing scenes are so cool to watch and uh-huh. the skydiving you would think after all these years watching a 4k version of point break it would be like more revealing how the sky break skydiving scenes are done and yet it's still there into uh, to, in a way where like if i'm not trying to investigate it very heavily i don't really know how Catherine bigelow pulls off those skydiving uh-huh. scenes because they're so like well shot they they have a way of like for one thing, it actually is footage of people doing skydiving. I was going to say, like, Aaron, the bad news is that, you know, there's probably like 25 dead stuntmen in the desert of California. That's not what happens. But, but, <laughs> don't spread rumors that aren't true. <laughs> we, we, people wouldn't know about that. <laughs> like, but like, it, yeah, it's it's done it's done so wonderfully where you just believe Keanu Reeves and Patrick Swayze are arguing with each other in, in right. the sky. Like it's really well yeah. done. Uh, but like, I mean, it's such a good like nineties action film to where it just has this grit to it that you just don't get anymore. And this 4k just has the, the grain on and everything. It looks like it's oh, nice. Well. Okay. Yeah. Cause yeah, it's for, it's, it's a film know, the, transfer. Yeah. It's a, it's a proper transfer that's right. approved and everything. And the idea is to make them look how they're supposed to not like clean it up in a way that makes it like look all digital. Yeah, look all yeah. digital. It's like, no, this is like, yeah, what's this movie look like when it was shot in 91? And that's yeah. what I'm getting here. And boy, is it just great. It kicks I'm ass. Glad. This movie yeah. rocks. Keanu Reeves is terrible in this movie. No! Like, <laughs> he is. He's, it's, it's good! A, it's, a, it's a bad... It's bad when he's speaking. And I, I don't mean that as like a horrible... He's undercover, thing. Aaron! I, no, 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 hold on. I don't mean that as like a horrible... like Because... In action mode or quite like when he's when it's just him like physically emoting, he's really good. 
Yeah. And I think that's people that's something that I don't think enough people like track onto where when he he is a very good physical actor. That's part of why he works so well as an action star. He's able to display not just like the prowess of being physical, sure. but the emotion on the face that's that goes with it. Yeah. I think that's that's a big part of what makes John Wick and Matrix and whatnot work. And speed. Speed speed he's speed he's legit he's good in, I think. A lot. <laughs> yeah, but speed also, I think he's a much he's giving a much better performance in speed sure, as an actor, sure. too. Yeah. This movie he's not. Like, yeah, I'm this sorry. movie again. <laughs> I think Catherine Bigelow kind of has a certain direction that she's taking the characters of the movie that that also um, feeds into his, his performance as well. The, the, his deliveries are flat out bad in this sure, movie. Sure, like I, yeah. <laughs> and he's been good before Point Break. He's good after Point Break. And he's certainly <laughs> in and like post Matrix. I've always argued he is in the zone because he picks the projects that he knows works for him. Sure. But yeah. in this 90s period where he's, you know, in like, you know, teen idol mode. He, there's a lot of different things that he's just frankly not that great. <laughs> but, hey, man, he just graduated from Ohio State, burned out his knee, and now I, he's working for the FBI <laughs> undercover. Come on, give him a break. There's a little scene where he has to deliver like a monologue to Lori Petty to convince her to teach him to surf, and it's just like, this is bad. <laughs> like, I would I would not teach her to surf, Mike. <laughs> like, sorry, that's not, you did, you did not convince me with that. Uh, but like Swayze's obviously in the zone here. Gary Busey's so fun here. John C. McGinley, you're just waiting the entire movie for him to get punched in the face, and he does, and it's like the best thing ever. <laughs> that fucking car, that 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 car chase that turns into a foot chase is one of the best action Very scenes good. ever put to film yeah. in the '90s. Like this is good stuff. Yeah. By the way, the connection between this is that James Cameron, you know, was a producer on Point Break. That's sure, why. yeah, <laughs> that too of Terminator. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the Point Break rocks. 4K, get it? It's great. Okay. Wow. All right. Um, I'm enthused. Uh. I'm glad that you didn't pair that with like the the remake of Point Break in 2017 or whatever. That's a film only you, me, and Anna talk about with with some level of positivity because it's so fucking. It's dumb. so fucking ridiculous. <laughs> We're just like it's so bad that it's good. It's so bad that it's good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the next movie that I'm talking about is one that you guys talked about last week, which is Godzilla minus one. Hey, um, there we go. Yeah, this is a. I I'm not in the vein of like the Godzilla guys that you guys were. So I listened to the games and I couldn't I couldn't get any of them. I was like I don't know the, any of these. Um. So congratulations on the on the contestants last week. But yeah, this movie was I found this to be a very fascinating movie. You know, it's kind of more of like a somber tone. I have seen some Godzilla movies, specifically Godzilla versus King Kong, like in 1950, whatever. Um, 62. What's that? 62. 62. Where it's a little bit more campy, you know, King Kong has to fight like a a giant octopus that's just wrapped in cellophane. Um, But, you know, this movie I thought was a pretty fantastic Godzilla movie in that it kind of has a more serious tone, but also rooted in the years after the, Jap- the world war two. Um, so there's like the destruction of the atomic bomb, but also the country of Japan um, and kind of like the PTSD for these regular people, like these regular citizens that were soldiers and kind of like a criticism of the Japanese government, which I haven't seen in a lot of movies. Um, and so it it's just, I think the culmination of like, the human aspect of things, but also Godzilla just like wrecking shit, like fucking shit up. And like not in like a fun, cheesy, campy way, more like I'm going to like destroy cities and my atomic blast is a fucking menace. And I, like, you layer on these characters that are from different points of view that also have to like basically band together into a story where it, it's like this, it's not even like a love story. It's more of just like a a kindred spirit type of story because everyone's been displaced from the war. Um, and then you layer on just like the the 
what Godzilla kind of represents both from the atomic age and also kind of just like the aftermath of things and how uh, destructive of a force it was. And you're just like, this is a movie that I wasn't expecting to be like this. You know, I what I didn't know what I was, I was going to expect. Cause I remember that Aaron was like, Oh, you go check out Shin Godzilla. It was like one of the best movies from like a couple of years ago. And I did not check that out yet, but um, you know, I have seen like the Godzilla remakes in the U S uh, 2014, Godzilla and then the other yeah that one and then I think there's gonna be one that's coming out I don't know if you guys you guys probably talked about the trailer last week week. yeah but um those certainly have like a different level of it I mean Godzilla 2014 is probably the closest when it comes to sort of like the 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 feeling of Godzilla yeah what's that the somber tone yeah Yeah, the somber tone of it of how like destruction uh, is there but again I just really like like the kind of like the the views of Japanese people. And while we have been told that, you know, we've read from the history books and whatever else, they're like, oh, the Japanese people were really proud and they they did these kamikaze runs for the good of the country. And part of that is true. But when you hear this side of it, you're just like, not everybody probably wanted to fucking die, you know, um, for country where it just didn't make any sense. And then um, again, like there's like the women from, um, uh, there's like a movie, Shoplifters. Like the woman from Shoplifters is in this yeah. movie. And she kind of plays like kind of like the same ish role, but she's really good and effective in just the way that she plays like uh, a sort of like a hard nosed warmongering mother that kind of changes her tone later. So there's a lot of character arcs in this entire movie. And while some of it might be a little bit, you know, not in the taste of American cinema um, in that it might it might feel like it's a little bit more schlocky or maybe a little bit more like uh, too emotional or too melodramatic. It certainly works in the movie, and um, you know, I I just I don't know. Like I I'm I'm kind of really impressed by this movie for a lot of different reasons, but primarily for the the Japanese, um, the Japanese citizen aspect of this, especially like the criticism of the government, um, which I hadn't really heard a lot about, or I haven't really seen a lot of like art that has kind of pointed their fingers and said like you know, like this, this, and this, because I've certainly heard the other aspect of it, which is, hey, you know, the U.S. embarrassed the Japanese um, during World War II um, in that they they dropped bombs, but also they kind of like made the emperor human, um, and that was not a cool thing um, that we did, like, you know, for anything other than like political gain and political reasoning, and that really hurt a lot of like people's feelings. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I'm curious, like what you guys yeah. thought about this. I mean, if, if you want to watch a Godzilla movie that criticizes the government, watch Shin Godzilla, which does there it for two hours. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that's, this is, this movie is, it's not opposed to that film, but it's, it's so much more rooted in kind of the, the visceralness of what's immediately happening with the population and the people mm-hmm. where Shin Godzilla is what if Godzilla, but Veep also, um, it's, it's a very much a <laughs> okay. satirical comedy, yeah. um, that is playing with the bureaucracy of what to do about a situation like this yeah. um, that relates to the, um, the, the nuclear power plant explosion um, okay. and everything. And, and like their mishandling of that. And that's what that movie is connected to. In addition mm. to being a giant fucking monster movie, right. uh, this movie, I mean, if you, if, yeah, you're, you're, if you want to talk about like the, you know, how American audience are responding to this. I mean, this movie is one of the best reviewed movies yeah, of the year right. and is the highest grossing live action Japanese film of all time in America. So, I mean, yeah. America and they've expanded its screens because people are seeing this movie. Right. So it's certainly working because people like seeing good movies. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. doing, it's doing the job. 
uh, is to what you're addressing. Yeah, it's a thorny movie as far as having complexities that it wants to explore involving characters that are, you know, grieving from a loss in one regard um, while we're trying to rebuild and have other thoughts going on as far as what's next for us. Also, there's a giant monster. How do we deal with that? Right. There, There's a lot there's a lot more there than one may expect even while even if you know going in that this one is more rooted in character than average when it comes to Godzilla mm-hmm. movies it has ways of dealing with that through characters that you genuinely want to root for or at least follow with uh for the duration of the film and that's right. why it's so why I've stated so that's so crowd pleasing because it's doing a lot with what it has to offer right. being both a monster film that has sequences that are incredibly well done as well as having stuff in between that that's not just like the standard boilerplate now the scientists talk about stuff for a while and you know where aliens come or uh, there's a terrorist element or there's a secret base of atlantans underwater that are guiding things these are all things that happen in godzilla movies okay Um, i was like where is he going with this (laughs) like this one is rooted in like hey there's real drama going on that even if this wasn't a godzilla movie i'd be curious what would go on with this kamikaze pilot that has a makeshift family and works on a minesweeper crew like that's just cool stuff yeah Uh, i've seen this movie three times i'll probably see it again before it leaves i i mean there's not (laughs) the the fact that i i keep getting told this godzilla movie was really good i i just sit there and be like i don't ride on hyperbole when i talk about movies like i know like i yeah i, I, uh, I said as much it's great yeah yeah see it. <laughs> and also and again I don't, I don't this is not a joke or anything but i certainly got like oppenheimer type vibes not because they're exactly the same but more just like the coalesce yeah. the coalescing of like bright minds trying to stop something with the use of like weapons that they have you know um and how seriously they took it and the other part of it was like Dunkirk esque, which yeah, is no, it's very uh, it's if you put like Independence Day, Dunkirk, and shoplifters together, you have this movie. That's fascinating <laughs> that you include shoplifters in there too. Yeah, but I see that. Yeah, um, but yeah, no, um, very good. I, I watched it with a crowd that was very engaged. Good, I'm glad. Good. So, yeah, it's a, like you know, like there, it, the the movie has like four different moments where it's actively trying to make you cry. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. How I mean, a Godzilla like, movie is like, that's something I certainly did. Is that something expect. that happens in, in a lot of them? Not in this way. No, like okay, there's yeah. no, I mean, frankly, no, is the answer to that question. Yeah, like yeah, there's, yeah. there's certainly like, there's stuff that occurs where if you're in the right mood, I guess maybe like the first one's so somber where it's like, it's less about the, it's more just like the, how overwhelmed you may become because of just the imagery if you're right. especially if you're you know japanese in the 50s watching this yeah um, but like no this movie because it's rooted in specific things there are just triumphant crowd-pleasing moments that get you going yeah, <laughs> it really works yeah it, again it is like a hero's journey at the end of it all too i i will also mention that if you haven't seen it it's not just like its focus is pretty international they talk about like the russians the u.s you know what i mean and how things may or may not pan out. Um, not like post World War II. I'm sorry, like not 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 like, you know, access of yield type situation, more just like, hey, the reason why these things cannot happen is because of geopolitics or whatever the case is. And I found that to be fascinating. Again, yeah. like, you know, who brings that shit in, you know, aside from like a, a snide comment in another type of movie of like, oh, well, the Americans won't help us. Like, well, if they did, they kind of like, there'd be a the cold war turned into a hot war you know what i mean so it's it's a very sincere godzilla movie that's for yeah. sure yeah and again i, I kind of just really want to um 
I just there's a lot of different faces in this movie, whether you're pro war, anti war, you know, pro uh nineteen pre nineteen forty six Japan, you know, and like the Empire type thing, or post it, you know, there's just and everything gets addressed. Um and I find that to be really fascinating. The humanity aspect of it is like off the charts. Yeah. So yeah, guys, online. Go to. Go see I'm it. glad. I'm glad you saw it in theaters. That makes yeah, me I was. I was really glad too. I was trying to. Really uh, uh, that's the. That's the one movie I want you to see. <laughs> so that's, that's... Oh. Okay. <laughs> I. I mean it. Like... <laughs> All right. Well, I was gonna watch the holdovers of the twelfth time. <laughs> um. Here's my question because this is my last one. Yeah. Have you I'm ever all seen? Done, by the way. Good. Okay. Have you ever seen Young Guns? Yeah, of course. With Will you say of course? And Charlie Sheen. You say, of course, I've never seen Young Guns until Excuse recently. Me? I've never seen it. I never saw Young Guns. What kind of Lou Diamond Phillips fan are you? I mean, I, I used to, I thought I was a good one. <laughs> but, and it's part. It's partly because, honestly, I judged a book by its cover. I, I didn't watch it when I was young. And every time Young Guns comes up, I just figured, oh, that's like that Brat Pack Western. That's probably not very good. Uh-huh. That's been my impression of it. The 4K came out and I got it to review. Okay. So I watched the 4K of Young Guns for the first time. And you know what? This movie's really enjoyable. It's there really fun. It's a really there fun movie that has more grit than I was expecting. It yeah. has it's R-rated and it has a kind of vibe where it's like the stakes are pretty high here. Like there's people yeah. that die and whatnot. It, I think the cast is really strong. This is one of Emilio's best performances, I'd argue. Mm-hmm. Uh, Keeper's always in the pocket in these kind of movies, so that's not a problem. And he plays like a teacher. Uh, Lou Diamond Phillips as Chavez, who every character says differently. Um, yes. That's um, <laughs> that's very fun to me. <laughs> uh, but I, yeah, Lou, yeah, LDP, you know, give me him all day. Like, he's yeah. great. Um, I, you got like you have a. Uh, uh, ter- um, uh, Terrence Stamp and Jack Palance is like the adults in yeah, this film, and it's right, like yeah. there's it just works re- like it works well enough where I'm like I can't wait to watch Young Guns too now. Honestly, it's not like, it's not as good, like, but I'm still like excited just to see more of this. Yeah, uh, but like from the outset where it has this cool like black and white opening where they all just like shoot at the camera, it's like okay, let's see where this is going, and it just keeps <laughs> it plays well. Like it it it's very much an '80s western where. Yeah. It's stylized to a point where it feels like this is a movie informed by both The Lost Boys and Top Gun as far as its kind of score and some of the camaraderie. But even with that kind of cheesiness aside, like it's still movie still has, like I said, it has a grit. It has fun. It has kind of a a rough streak in it because of they, you know, these guys are killing people. Essentially, the the regulators are they're they're attempting to be like good people but they're right. forced their hands are forced in various ways so they have to do yeah stuff. especially like a double cross man yeah so like no i uh i i had the wrong impression of young guns without having wow. seen it and i was happy to watch it take it in and be like yeah young guns it kind of rocks there you go and now you know how they made the movie the posse like in the early 90s too oh i've seen posse there you uh, go that's a great posse, song po- posse rocks po- yeah. <laughs> po- posse is a kick-ass black western we talked about it on the summer of 93 at 30 last year like, there you go. That, that's a that's a fun <laughs> It's a fun movie. With, um... I'm I'm surprised that you've never seen Young Guns, and I'm glad that you enjoyed it. Like, it's not like the best movie, but I certainly think that it is. Like, it's it's not bad, and especially for what they're doing in it, which is more of like a revenge type of thriller. Um, yeah, yeah. And then you part two is just like this is the movie I think that you thought you were gonna watch, probably. But I'm still like I'm still looking forward to checking it. Yeah, out. of course. Yeah, check out check out um, Best Friend and uh, Ferris Bueller, 
Alan Ruck. Yeah, you'll, you'll Alan Ruck's Alan and Young Ruck. Guns too. Yes. Oh boy, I got. I just got more excited about Young Guns. Too. <laughs> <laughs> All um, right. Well, we did it. That's that we was... did it. Trademark. <laughs> right. Oh, what a segment that was. Uh, let's move on now. Let's get to let's get to the main review we have here for the boy and the heron. Mahito. So you made it. Mother. Have a seat. It's this way, Mahito. of strange things happen in this place. I just hope he stays safe. Save me. Save me, my dog. What exactly are you? <laughs> your mother. She's awaiting your rescue. I'll be your guide. What is this place? This world is filled with the dead. I know it's a lie, but I have to see. I'm looking for someone. Let's go. We must protect this world ourselves. Go back, now! Marjo! Marjo! You and I aren't friends or allies, kid. No matter what. Ready? All right. That should have been some of the trailer for The Boy and the Heron. In 2013, we were looking at The Wind Rises, reportedly the last film from director Hayao Miyazaki, and it was a stunner with plenty of self-reflection, not unlike most of the famed director's work. Of course, Miyazaki has said he was retiring before, and while Studio Ghibli has kept on going, sure enough, the director finally announced he was returning with another feature film. Initially titled How Do You Live?, the film was released in Japan with no information, posters, or any other traditional marketing. What a power move by Miyazaki. In America, not so much the case, but it's not as though the story isn't being cryptically sold to audiences either. Essentially, a young boy is in grief. He's settled into a new town, only for a, mischief a mischievous gray heron to lead him into a fantastical world shared by the living and the dead. Abe, mm -hmm. I want to know from you, how strong of a return is this for Miyazaki? You know... You, you talk about kind of like farewells and I think friend of the show, Scott Mendelson kind of wrote something about this today on Twitter X where he's just like, you know, these old legends are, are making sort of like they're, they're some of them might be like their farewell movies. Um, and I think about the way that Miyazaki has kind of like written his movies and directed them. And he's been very adamant about like, you know, not trying to use computers um, and trying to still have hand drawn stuff. Um, and he, he's he's been a very fascinating person from the, st the standpoint of legacy. You know, at one point, he kind of gave everything over to his son. He didn't like how his son was running it. So he came back and was like, I'm going to run this till I'm dead. Um, and The Boy and the Heron, I think, is a very fascinating movie. Like, it's a very fascinating look at what Aaron just talked about with, you know, how a, a boy deals with, like, the death of, of a parent um and kind of like the journey emotional and spiritual journey that one might go on um to f seek out closure in whatever that might look like for somebody but also Miyazaki's kind of his place in all of this and just the way that you know he has experienced uh post-war Japan 
um, and also through now where he's, I don't think that he's necessarily looking for like a successor, but kind of just, he kind of just like what this movie is trying to say at the end there is like, try and build something that is um, beneficial, nice, you know, collaborative for everybody. Like you can be like the maker of your own world kind of thing. And so I find that to be very fascinating from this filmmaker that I've enjoyed because of his weird idiosyncrasies with the way that he uh, chooses to have people drawn, but also just what he's putting into um, his films, whether that be like, like what we see here with like the, the what are they, the Warawaras um, or like the Pelicans or even like the, the Heron itself. Right. Um, I think there's a lot to, ingest and also take away from this i've only seen this one time but i'm very curious to see it the second time primarily because of um how i was latching on to uh to the other world that is presented um when they finally get going to that other world so um yeah i i, I thought that it was a really really fascinating and good movie like i'd have to watch it again probably before we do our top tens just to see where uh, how i feel with it after that though I feel like I should know the answer to this, but did you watch it subbed or dubbed? Oh, I watched it <laughs> subtitled, Doc. I I figured as much. Give me give me the not... original Japanese voices, man. Now let me ask you this. Yeah. Do you know the English cast of this movie? I only know Robert Pattinson and Christian Bale. So those two, but Bale's like, you know, already do, been one. You you know that they're in it. Do you know who they voice? No, I don't. Okay, I mean, okay. I, actually, I'm well, sorry. I know who Robert Pattinson voices. Damn. Okay, because like, that's the fun. Yeah, <laughs> but a... I don't know anybody else's voice. Well, uh, okay. Well, it, I saw it subbed. I'm just, but okay. I, but it has, yeah, Bale, Pattinson, uh, Florence Pugh, okay. Gemma Chan, Mark Hamill, Willem Dafoe, Dave Bautista. Okay, um, I can kind of see who these people are voicing. Yeah. Well, see, I you would say, yeah, so that you can see it now because you already know who Pattinson voices. But if you yeah. offhand told me Mark Hamill, Defoe, Batista, um, and, and Pattinson are on this movie, I would not guess that Robert Pattinson's the hair. <laughs> like, okay, that is, yeah, sure. That would not be the thing that occurs to me. Yeah. <laughs> it's That's so wild to me. But like watching just the trailer of it with the, the, the dub cast in it, like he's fucking doing the work. It's okay. incredible. Cool. Like <laughs> I haven't seen the trailer because it was it was only dubbed. Inside. It convinced me that if I watch it the second time, I might watch the dub version just to just to see this in full effect. Sure. Because it's like, oh, he actually like did like the, for those that haven't seen this movie yet, the gray heron is a very specific type of character that you're thinking, yeah. well, Danny DeVito obviously would come in and do this, uh, <laughs> like, or or anybody else that would fit a Danny DeVito type. Okay, um, uh, but like. Pattinson doing this it just makes me like appreciate Pattinson more because he's doing the full-on thing which is okay. this really distinctive voice that's basically unpleasant <laughs> like that's, yeah. that's the idea that's the whole idea of the hair and it's like it's not this thing regardless uh this movie's great uh-huh. <laughs> this movie's like a, it's you know not a surprise to be like oh Miyazaki made another like near masterpiece but my god yeah. this movie really really good i look forward to what i can just i agree with you i look forward to watching it again just to like kind of drink in more of what's happening yeah, exactly taking more of the ideas that yes are kind of presented more in the back half of the film because it's certainly you know there's a basic story you can like describe and explain but i feel like there's so many more ideas at play going on with what's happening within this fantastical world um what that means about life and death what you know what's going on and how it relates to miyazaki uh, like there, there's so much there that 
the film like makes a great argument for in the in the regard of yeah sure you could watch a movie once and enjoy it but it's so rewarding to look at art more than one time Mm -hmm. Um, and that's the kind of movie that Miyazaki makes in general and just getting more of that uh, from a director who has not struck out ever um, it's like yes thank you thank you for coming back and doing one of these again the the story itself like the the fact that it's about a boy dealing you know grieving from the loss of a mother like it's already like tapping into things are like well obviously I'm going to be into this um and the fact that it's not hitting it in, in a way that felt like I needed to get like too emotional while watching this movie I think is to its credit because I was happy to kind of mm-hmm. register with the movie on its own terms as opposed to it playing on things that would easily affect me sure yeah uh, understandable yeah so like i think that's great that the movie is able to accomplish that it, it it it's the rare miyazaki movie that has like a male complex lead because he's, he's so oh, has, i don't think about that yeah he's you know he's, he's relies largely on females yeah, it's usually just a lot of females yeah or girls uh, so, yeah and there's some stuff going on with this guy that is interesting like you know there's some self-harm here that's yeah you know that it's challenging to think about i think for a movie like this where like this is not I, I would argue like it's PG-13 like it, it you know it's not Totoro like it's not like the cuddliest movie in the world it, like it has stuff that I think works for a general audience uh, but it certainly leans more on the you know the darker side of the Miyazaki resume you know not as dark as his darkest films and even his darkest films aren't like crazy dark but like mm-hmm. it's certainly you know it's 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 it has heavier material to deal with right um, but that makes sense given like where Miyazaki has at in his life uh, you know the the setting of this film uh, like all of that's there that just, you know even like the fans of Miyazaki they've grown up with him so they would naturally want to see something that feels a bit more mature I think at this point and sure. it's not like they can't go to his backlog if they want to see something more nice um it's not like Ponyo came early on in his career either so what am <laughs> I saying? um but no I I think this movie is that for one thing I mean the animation <laughs> yeah I mean, it's just like this is apparently like one of Jap- japan's like most expensive films ever and it's like i get it like yeah. if he if he has just like a team of animators cranking this shit out like with hand by hand i know like, by hand yeah, yeah. by like cell then, animation yeah. like yeah it looks it it looks amazing it's so it really colorful does. and unlike anything you've seen like which is crazy to think when you think of like Miyazaki has 11 other movies and he still like has new stuff to give you in this regard. Mm-hmm. Um, oh my God. It's just like, it's a treat to watch visually. Yeah. Uh, there's there, there's like just sequences throughout this thing where I'm just like, I, I I'm so like enraptured in what's taking place right here that sure. I, I, yeah. I want, I'd want to spend like 15 more minutes on just like, this team of grandmas or whatever that comes out of a room is like, so what's going on with these people? <laughs> I know. Yeah. Before this. Why are they half height? <laughs> I need to understand what is going on. Yeah. Or like just the relationship between, um, um, my, what's the Mahito? 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 Yeah. Mahito. And, and the, and the heron, uh, or even the various like relatives he has in this movie, like what we're seeing there, or even mm. like the parakeet society and like all this yeah. stuff. Like it's I get just, most fucking hate parakeets. I oh for sure now. Yeah. Um it's not like they were fun before. They're all loud. Uh, <laughs> but, but no this movie it's just like just scene after scene is just interesting stuff going on here. And then yeah the 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 music script like everything about this is just so like yeah. I, i'm just so into it so uh, yeah I, I really like a lot of the things too because i think that there's um 
I love that animation allows you, and I'm not going to go fill fill Lord here on you, where it's like animation is is uh you know our movies, uh, and just repeat that forty five time thousand times. Like it is true. Like I do agree with him, um, but I think there's like some really great things that you can show in an animated way that gives off a much like it gives off like vibes that you can't really emulate on film unless you were to like do something like Wong Kar Wai where he like slows down the shutter speed so much. But there's a sequence in here where Mahito is running toward a fire and it's incredible. Yeah. Like just the way that it like it swoops and like it's, it, it gives you like a visceral feeling of like, you know, you can't really see faces because there's just so much going on. Like there's like a cacophony of noise. People are trying to do this, this and this people are getting hurt. Um, and like, I, I don't know how you do that on film, you know what I mean? And so it, it certainly presents itself as a medium in which you can do a lot of stylized things, which I think is fascinating. It, it's funny you mentioned that because like a similar scene actually happens in days of heaven. <laughs> oh, there you go. And so like, I, I finished that, like I started the week with this movie and finished it with days of heaven. And it's yeah. like, those movies are not connected by very much, it, but they're, but Miyazaki and Malik are both very much, you know, inspired by, uh, you know the 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 earth environment yes and yeah land and whatnot yeah, that's another it's point like, i'm gonna bring up later and there's like a you know for it is in that little way it's like this is like i i thought of that as i was watching days of heaven it's like this is a neat way to round out my week right now <laughs> like it's like there's a simple there's a similarity here yeah but yes i mean the the presentation of certain things that just you know it's another example of how animation just allows you know anyone that wants to explore things that otherwise they can't the ability to yeah and Miyazaki has made an entire career out of that right like just just stepping over every boundary possible to be like but what if we could do this yeah and it's the the fact that he's such an effective writer or has you know the the right people involved with him to like develop these stories to like their fullest extent to create new universes and new ways to explore certain concepts like it it continually fascinates me so watching this movie that it also you know it's not like it didn't, i also of course thought of godzilla because it's set post-war japan i know that, that that's actually what there. i was gonna bring up too yeah, yeah it's it's like gosh like yeah. just, there, there's so much like thematic depth taking place exactly. here within a film that's ostensibly for like anyone to walk into and just enjoy at their own pace like no oh, yeah it's just yeah it's, it's really it, again, yeah, just very funny that you know I watched Godzilla minus one, and then I watched The Boy and the Heron, and then both post-war, like immediately post-war Japan. Yeah, um, and I thought that to be a very strange parallel, um, just in the way that I was viewing things. By the way, both yeah. of them are hitting the box office by storm right now. There you the go. Boy and the Heron, I think like number one and two, right? Yeah, number one and three. Got Hunger Games has done a surprisingly good job of holding on. Okay. Um, it's at number two, but like Godzilla's right behind it, number three. But regardless, I mean, yeah, there was no like new, like no no new major theatrical releases this week. Right. So they had Boy and the Heron went to twenty two hundred screens, which is great. Yeah, and, 12, uh, twelve million. It, yeah, made twelve mil, twelve point yeah. eight million. Godzilla yeah. was number three, made eight million. It has twenty five total so far, which again, as I've said, is the highest grossing live action Japanese film in America right. of all time. Um, and it's on twenty five hundred screens right now. Like people, yes, yeah. I I like how readily available a Godzilla movie is. Let alone that a Miyazaki movie is number one at the box <laughs> office. Yeah. Um, Japan just taking over. Yeah, so. yeah, it is a, a Japanese. Neither of these are the submissions for the Japanese country pick for of course, Oscar. Uh, so. Of course not. It's a it is a film by German director Win Benders. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, <laughs> which is nuts. Yeah, um, but I haven't I mean, seen I, it yet. I, but... I mean, I'm not like by all intents and purposes, the film is great, but it's like. Yeah. 
Japan, send your own stuff in, guys. Like, what are we doing here? Like, <laughs> we'll see what happens. We'll see how it shakes out. Yeah. But going back to the boring heron uh, again, like all the technical things are fantastic, including sound design, which I thought was yeah. at sometimes like pretty uh, scary and effective. Um, but um, thematically, there's just so much going on here. You mentioned a lot of things that Miyazaki has talked about in his past movies. Um, and you think about Spirited Away, and Spirited Away is kind of like more like this, like you know, eco type movie um and then like also like uh i'm sorry princess mononoke is more of like a, yeah, a yeah. go type movie spirited away is a little bit more of like consumerism and then like this one like miyazaki is a very fascinating guy because it's not as though he's like very downbeat on things but he's just very real like when he talked to when you see interviews about him and stuff like he's just like he can be kind of like austere and and kind of like mean at times kind of like this old man type vibe crotch to the old man type vibe and you watch his movies and they're just like very hopeful and they they think they talk about things like magic, you know, and things that you can do. And so I find that to be very like it's such like an interesting two sides of the same coin kind of thing. And yeah, I mean, again, like he's he's an 83 year old man and he thought that he was going to be done with this stuff. Um, and here he is just making more things about how you should believe in magic and because sometimes magic is um, something that isn't fake like it can be real and it can help, you know, heal you. Like a movie that I thought about during this movie or during watching The Boy and the Heron or after it was also um, Pan's Labyrinth, um, mm-hmm. where it's like kind of like Del Toro vibes of just um, melancholy, but also like in this very like atmospheric type fantasy world. Um, and obviously like they end differently, but um, I, I certainly got that from that. And so, you know, I, I hope that people kind of realize that okay, what Aaron said and kind of I agree. You could watch it just straight through as like a movie and kind of be entertained by it too. But there's just a lot to unpack because Miyazaki has traditionally never unpacked that for anybody. Um, and that's why I think his films are, you know, rewatchable on many levels, both from like an entertainment standpoint, but also just from the standpoint of like, uh, yeah, man, he's got certain views about things and he's very strong about them getting old like I, there's a time when i wouldn't go two steps without trying to like connect pan's labyrinth to something now i'm like oh yeah pan's labyrinth the movie I, one of my favorite <laughs> movies ever and i'm like didn't occur to me to think about that during this <laughs> it was only it was only the, the fantastical aspect of it um oh just only the, it's only half of the movie okay thank yeah. you. oh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um yeah uh, but, but yeah no it's a, it's a good call but um yeah no the i mean thematically speaking yes i mean what the it's that self-reflection thing once again here we've we've already like it's not again it's not like it's the first time miyazaki's called upon things that like inform him as a person or his child or what have you but like the wind rises feels like such a you know if he never came back it's like that's that does have a sense of finality to it as far as things that he wanted to like get out there before he left the world as far as a filmmaker and here we are yet again, where he like he, he he's drawing on more stuff that still ties into his own life. I mean, is the Mahito's father is a was a, like a, what, a plane manufacturer? Or yeah, like, and so was his dad. There's just stuff there that he's yeah. he's still like kind of hammering out. Even you mentioned you know the like like Scott Mendelson pulled up the idea of filmmakers kind of saying a final goodbye older, through their yeah. films and like watching where this story goes and what's being assigned to certain characters by the end of it possibly right it's really interesting to see to to like what let alone an animated film an animation director like kind of work through these ideas in the form of these characters and establishing like 
possibilities for new status quos or what have you. Right. Like, it, that's. <laughs> and I think that's like, you know, going back to our trailer talk, this is sort of what kind of differentiates something like the Garfield movie from <laughs> yes. this. And I don't mean to be rude and I don't mean to be like, you know, it's not like of, of the Garfield movie, yeah. but more just like, yeah, you can, you can do a lot with movies. Um, and I'm sure that there's going to be something to the effect of like family in the Garfield movie. But the boy and the heron is like dealing with a lot of things, including like like what Aaron mentioned there, uh, the death of the director, like in the coming like decade, you know what I mean, or like the next couple decades, like, mm-hmm. and it's just a very fascinating look at like, here's what I did build, and again, this is my reading of it. It's like here's what I did build, and I've been trying to carefully craft this for all this time, but I think that I can finally let it go and let somebody else run, have take it, or like if you didn't if you didn't want to take it, just do whatever you want with it, but just live like a good life. And that, that's a very like deep thing to think about um, because that's almost exactly what the old guy is telling him in this movie. It's like, it's it's just, it's very fascinating to read that as a, a Miyazaki, like um, I finally will, I finally might give up the reins of studio Ghibli to somebody else um, and believe them because what, what more can I do? What more can I say? Uh, but anyway, like, you know, there, there's other things beyond that too. Yeah, like more, I, more like less, less like somber things. For sure. Hey, there, there is, there is humor to be like the, the gray heron character is inherently comedic. There's yes, plenty of yeah. fun to be had and seeing those kind of interactions that they, that it has. And, and seeing the reveals of what the heron is, is also fascinating <laughs> in itself where, yeah. It ha- it's a bird. It's a bird with teeth. It's a tr- it's a bird with a, an entire man of inside of it. Like it's just like <laughs> yeah. this weird like this creature. We got like a has, giant schnoz. Yeah, yeah. It, it has all these different like layers of evolution and like ways that it, evol- it evolves as a character as right. you come to understand it more that are fascinating and funny and also yeah. even self serious in its own way. Yeah. To to back up a bit to speak to like the idea of like with Garfield or whatnot. I, I I hear what you're saying, of course, and it's like everybody likes McDonald's, you know. You, you know right? Yeah. Not, not everything needs to be, you know, one of the greatest film directors of all time. That happens to be Miyazaki, <laughs> yeah. in order to get a satisfying animated feature. But at the same time, it's like, oh yeah, I don't want. I'm not gonna. <laughs> I'm not gonna not say that Miyazaki isn't delivering like the you know the the best the, the filet sure. mignon when it comes to these kinds of features, um, and appreciating it as such. Um, um, what else? What else of this movie? I mean, <laughs> I want to ask you about, yeah, yeah. um, uh, you've seen this only the once, but are you going to watch it, um, dubbed the next time? Like I said at the beginning, I mean, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued enough by the, and what helps is that Ghibli has such a good record with they this do. compared to other yeah. animated studios and it's because like, without getting into the messiness with him but john lassiter who was very much involved in in helping uh bring the miyazaki collection over mm-hmm. to america for a good time there and when they're collaborating with disney um th- there was a lot of effort put in to get you know not just get like big stars was like big stars but getting like putting in the time to have really solid dub tracks to go on top of these movies mm-hmm. and that and and they do i mean regardless of preference and yes yeah, subs over dubs all day but it's it's not it doesn't feel unrewarding to watch a movie like this that has a you know the effort put in on all sides to make sure it still retains what makes them special sure. uh, so like if i'm going to watch this movie again i mean yeah mainly because of my curiosity because of you know hearing how some of these characters sound and watching the trailer of the dub version it's like 
I'm impressed by the effort being put in by some of these actors so yeah. far based on these, you know, two minutes. Sure. Let me let, let's see. Let's see what this version of it's going to sound like. Right. After that point, I'll probably only ever watch in the sub again. But I mean, <laughs> you know, the, the option presents itself. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be happy right. to check it out uh, in that way. I remember what I was going to say, too. The um, yeah. the 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 on the one hand, you can't have something like Garfield. But like, look at this movie, where, as I described, there was no marketing for it. Yeah, like it just like they was, didn't want any. There was there was nothing let out about what this thing was, other than it's a Miyazaki movie that's called this. Yeah, like that's such a like cool thing to do. Like as far as like you, this guy who's created all these different worlds and unique ideas or what have you, decided to put like another movie, and he's just gonna like drop it on you, and you'll discover what it is for yourself. Right. Yeah. And it's like I think like even in Japan, there's like during like the first like a week before it's released, they're like here's. Here's like your first look at it, and people were just like, "I'm not gonna say anything." Like, so it was still pretty like tight lipped um, around like. I mean, uh, I, I I held on. I didn't do anything at all, and and with neither did I. I, I did not yeah. look anything up. I I wanted to respect Hayo's wishes of like just going in as cold as possible. <laughs> How about you with the dub question? Would you are you gonna watch it dubbed if you watch it again? Uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. <laughs> I wouldn't watch it in theaters. Not not to say that I, you know I I probably watch it like in a streaming capacity with with um. Dubbing. Yeah, and that's not any disrespect to anybody. It's just the way that I would probably like watch it. It's like I I don't know. Like sometimes it just doesn't vibe with me as well when I have seen like the sub version, and then I go watch a dub version. Like uh, I I mentioned this many times, but the only thing that I really watched as a dub was Ramen One Half, and that's mostly because I grew up watching it in English. Um, and then I can't really watch it in Japanese, but everything else that I've seen. You know, growing up, uh, you know, when I was like eight, nine, ten, you know, all that stuff. Like, it's all just subtitles. Um, I'm not and... with Bebop. Bebop, I've watched the dub so many times. I've like never I... seen the dubs of Bebop. Um, but I hear that again, like what you're saying. Like a lot of people do really good voices, you know. Yeah. And so, like I've I've kind of heard through uh, either clips on on Twitter or some of the case where uh, Spike's voice is it's still got like that that like Spike kind of vibe to it. But yeah, like. I'm just like more of like a sub guy. Um, and so I probably would watch this, but when it's on max um, in the studio Ghibli region or something like that, um, I, ch- I just want to see what it's all about. But, you know, Christian Bell is no, no stranger to the Miyazaki movies. Um, so yeah, let, let's see what happens there. When it said, cause Bale's like first bill. Cause he's Christian Bale. So I get it. It makes sense. Sure. But I was also like, Wait, so he is the boy? He's not. And I was like, okay, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I actually want to hear who he's going to be. Like, I don't know who he is. He's his father. That's kind of what I thought. But I mean, so it's the only, he's the only person that makes sense to me. It's like, well, what do you yeah, think? Yeah, I was like, <laughs> was like, he wouldn't, like, because you mentioned like Defoe and, and uh, Luke Skywalker. It's like, maybe those are the old people. So, yeah, Hamill's the uncle. Defoe's the the noble pelican. Dave Bautista's the parakeet king, which that makes plenty of that sense. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. All hail the parakeet king. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, um, but again, that patents and casting as the hair. It was just like, wait, what? I love <laughs> like, it. <laughs> yeah, go crazy, Robert, because yeah. you know you've got enough money. Uh, so yeah, Born the Heron is is I think it's a, it's definitely worth a rewatch, and I don't know if I'm gonna catch it again in theaters, um, but I would love to watch it again. For sure, I think this movie is fantastic. Yeah. So, what when should other people see this movie? Oh, I think they should watch it in theaters. Like, as you first go, you should definitely watch it. A lot of people are really engaged with this movie, too. 
I I saw it in IMAX. Wow! Happy, I checked I checked it out in IMAX because it go. was the one it was the one showing that was on the giant IMAX, and I was like, well, why would I not go see it this way? <laughs> like this is sure. great. Um, so yeah, I did that, and I would certainly recommend it that way because I think it's fantastic. Yeah, see this yeah. movie as big as you can, like oh, much like a, much like Godzilla. If you can, if you can see a Japanese movie on a premium screen right now, <laughs> say do it. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. Premium format. Aaron Newworth saying you spend seventy dollars on a night out. Yeah, Aaron, Aaron Newworth, genuinely terrifying, as I say on the Godzilla ads. <laughs> and um, see it big. <laughs> yeah. Those are my, that's the other quote that I should have on most of these posters. <laughs> yeah, that's actually what I think a lot of people should do. Just see it big. So, yeah. All right. All right. We've talked a lot about the boy and the heron. Uh-huh. What, uh, hey, what's next here? Oh, Aaron, I've got some games for you. <laughs> that's what you have for me. <laughs> I don't have your xylophone, buddy. You have been Game Master for the last three weeks. So guess what, buddy? I've got three games for you. Oh, wow. Different games. The first thing's here. You're the only contestant. So this is uh, not expected. Okay. Yeah, you just you didn't get a play. Uh, So the first game here is called The Hunger Games. This is because you guys reviewed The Hunger Games when I was out. uh, this is a game in which I will name you a clue from a movie, and if you know the answer, it's like a various set of clues here, but they're all related to food. Oh, okay. Okay, <laughs> first one here. At Jackrabbit Slim's, how does Vince order his steak in the movie Pulp Fiction? Uh Oh, um... What's the term that you use? Um, I can give you some hints here. Medium it- rare. Rare, well done, medium well. It's rare, right? It's bloody. Or is it? it rare? Like bloody as hell. Yeah. Yeah. Rare. I I knew I knew he's, I knew bloody comes up. I couldn't remember yeah. if it was like a turn because he because like because Thurman wants the milkshake. Um, fifteen dollars. Five dollar, five dollar milkshake. But, oh. she wants, <laughs> but she wants it Martin and Lewis as opposed to Amos and Andy. I was trying to remember if there's a term for the bloodiness of. The, no, he just orders it. Uh, he's rare, bloody as hell. Yeah. Got it. Uh, and that's rare. Okay, the next question here. Uh, what is the name that everyone is trying to get to? Uh, what is the name of the restaurant that everyone's trying to get reservations to in American Psycho? Oh, fuck. Um... Now even I can't remember. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, uh, it's like a name. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Hold on, let me think of this. Yeah, don't look like, it up. It's not like Donovan's or something like that. Um, mm-mm, mm-mm. It's like, but it's like some kind of. It's like a name. Oh Very close though. Um, Dork Dorcia. Yes, yeah, Dorcia. Yeah, you got reservations at Dorcia when you said very close, and I was like Donovan's. I knew it. Okay, yeah, like it is pretty close to Donovan. Dorcia is correct. Oh, the next question here. What drink of choice does Buddy the Elf choose to wash down his spaghetti and maple syrup dinner in Elf? Maple syrup. Sorry? Maple syrup? What drink of choice does Buddy the Elf choose to wash down his spaghetti and maple syrup dinner in Elf? Oh, oh, that's what well, that's what he tops with. Okay, yeah. what's he drink it with? Coke? That's correct, yeah. Specifically okay. Coca-Cola. Yep. Got it's it. It's all of it at once. Uh, the next one here. What candy bar does Chunk offer to sloth Baby in the Ruth. Goonies? Yeah, that's correct. I was, I was like, Aaron doesn't like this movie. I don't know if he's gonna know this. <laughs> I, I for the, I do like the Goonies. It's just I don't love the Goonies. Okay. I, I prefer Monsters, uh, Monster Squad. Yeah. Uh, last question here in this Hunger Games. 
1990 Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie, what brand of pizza did the Turtles order from? Hmm. It's one or the other. <laughs> Let's see. There isn't a third? There could be a third. Oh, wait. Is it even a brand, though? I don't know. Is it Domino's? It's Domino's. Okay, I thought so. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> yep. Uh, well, move on to the next game here. It's called Boxzilla. <laughs> this okay. is where I will name you a Godzilla movie, primarily all these American ones. And I'm going to ask you to give me the international total as close as you can. Uh, you just, you're going to win all this stuff anyway, so it doesn't matter if you go over. But um, I'm curious uh, what your international box office knowledge is like. It's probably going to be uh, maybe pretty close. 2014, or I'm sorry, 1998's Godzilla, the Matthew Broderick one that nobody talks about. Internationally. I mean, it doesn't flop. Like, it does fine. It's just, like, people hate it so much where it's like, we're not going to do another one of these. But I still, it's like... Like, 280-something, maybe? Or maybe it get, does get to three? I'll say 285. Uh, you're going to get the point anyway because you're the only contestant. But it's 242. Okay, so those are the twos. Okay, yeah. yeah. It's not like a, it's not a disaster of a movie. No, it just, it, it, it doesn't, it, but it doesn't hit nearly as high yeah, as Independence Day. I would say Day. that all these movies made more money internationally than they did domestically. Wait, what are you asking me? Are you asking me the, the, the just the international and not the Just the international. Not just the, the worldwide total? No, not the worldwide. Just well, the international. Okay, well, that's. <laughs> yeah, well, good luck. Uh, the next one here, 2014's Godzilla. Just the international. Okay. Not, not, uh, not well, the total. Okay, so. Because I think that for okay, so fourteen. I think the totals around four something. So if in like domestically, it makes like one, like a little under one fifty, maybe or maybe it goes a little higher than that. So internationally, I guess it'd be like two fifteen or something like that. Pretty good logic. Pretty close. Three twenty four. Three twenty. Okay, so higher. Yeah. Okay, so, so a makes, lot higher. Yeah. yeah. So it's in the fives uh, then international. Okay. Right. The next one here. Uh. King or Godzilla versus Kong International. Okay, so we're, we're jumping a movie. Okay. Um, are, we, are we jumping a movie? Well, it's King of the Monsters, then Godzilla versus Kong. We can go King of the Monsters. Okay, King of the Monsters. Okay, King of the Monsters stumbles in America, but it still big, makes enough. Um, so, I'll, so, like China helps. I'll, I'll, I'll still say, okay, I'll say like 300. That's pretty close. 276. 270. All right. Yeah. Uh, Godzilla versus Kong. Godzilla versus Kong, which saves movies um, a year before <laughs> Maverick because uh, it's a big hit during COVID. Um, let's see. It's a total because it can't be super high because of COVID. Um, it can't make a ton in America. So I will say like 275. It made bonkers 369. 360. Oh, yeah, it did. It did really yeah. well. Yeah. So it did really well internationally. Yeah. Um, and the last one here for you, Shin Godzilla International Box Office. I think in the US it only made like 18 million or something. Yeah, it didn't make Hanjanette in America, but it's it's a hit though. Let's see. But what does that translate to? Um I'll hmm. Let's say like 120. 76 million. 76. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, that was Boxzilla International Edition. The last game here is Hey, Who Took My Horse? These are horror, horse and sword movies 
Uh, on the scale of Rotten Tomatoes, I'd like you to tell me what okay. the critic meter is for some of these movies. First one here being King Arthur, Legend of the Sword. The Rotten Tomatoes score? Yes, the Rotten Tomatoes critic score. Yeah. Okay, for King Arthur. Which is a, a scale that Aaron and I disregard all the time. King Arthur, Legend of the Sword. I don't th- I don't think it like did terribly with critics. It's just more like, oh, yeah, they made this. Uh, so let's give it like it. Let's say like a 51. 51. The answer is 31%. Okay. Yeah. So kind of low. Uh, the next movie here of, uh, hey, that's my horse. Troy, the Brad Pitt, Eric Bana movie. I feel like that's towards the middle. Um, say 55. It is 53. So pretty close. Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the next one here, The Mask of Zorro, Antonio Banderas, Catherine Zeta-Jones, and one Anthony Hopkins. Could even be in the 90s, but I'll still say like a healthy 85%. It is 84. Killing this. Good. Killing this. Yeah. The next <laughs> one here, The Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring. A lot of horse and sword in that movie. That's 96. It is 91. Okay. Yeah. So pretty close. Uh, and the last one here. Michael Fassbender's Assassin's Creed. Ooh. Um, say, uh, I'll be generous and say 18. That is exactly what it is. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, you're being uh, generous? As far as going high on okay. it. Okay, I, I, you know, I could easily say four. <laughs> <laughs> well, Aaron, you are the winner of every game this week. Oh, great. Thank you. So, congratulations <laughs> on, on all that. But yeah, thanks for game mastering and uh, and making all those questions. Yeah, for sure. I, uh, I feel like I did made some, some challenging games uh, for <laughs> our various guests over the past few weeks. I, I did listen to one of them and I was just texting you and telling you the answer. I was like, why don't they say Gladiator? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was the easy one. Um, okay. Well good. well, good. All right. Well, let's move on now. Let's get some. Let's just about now feedback. 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 As we're going through the various questions, this on our Facebook page, Facebook.com. Facebook.com. podcast. We have a couple questions this week. Didn't want to get like a full run of feedback, but uh, right. let's go through these. First question here is: What's your favorite Miyazaki film? Chris Cleveland has Spirited Away, or Ponyo are the only ones I've seen. Both are great. Maxwell Haddad, friend of the show, has Spirited Away. Ken Knopfsinger, Tall Ken, friend of the show, okay. has Princess Mononoke will always be my number one, but they are all great. People choosing their favorite Miyazaki film is kind of like when they choose their favorite uh, their favorite between Snatch and Lockstock and Two Smoking Barrels. Whichever you saw first tends to be your favorite. He's probably right. Uh, Philip Hurd has The Wind Rises and My Neighbor Totoro are a close second. Uh, Irene Johnson has Princess Mononoke and Spirited Away. How about you, Aaron? Uh, as it stands, my top three are Spirited Away, Kiki's Delivery Service, and Porco Rosso. There you go. Yeah. Uh, Ken Tolkien is right. First movie I saw was Princess or My Neighbor Totoro. And then second movie I saw was Kiki's Delivery Service. Those are my top two. And the third one, kind of interchangeable. They're all pretty good. The The next one I saw was probably like um, Princess Mononoke, but I think I like Spirited Away a little bit more. Yeah. The like my my top five are pretty like locked in like they're not okay. going anywhere yeah. i and and like ponyo is one that i feel like when i'm is i grow i feel like it's going to just creep into that top interesting I, re- yeah. I really like ponyo a lot okay uh but we, like 
I have Mononoke like pretty low. It is like I like and all of these movies are like B plus and above. Like it's not like there's sure, some like sure, sure. some like yeah. you know tainted Miyazaki movie. Like they're all yeah. great. But I know like people rank me uh, Mononoke so high. I'm not against that. I like what you like. It's yeah. just one more like that seems like a movie that'd be so up my alley as far as what it's doing, and yet I'm just like that's ah, good. I, yeah, like, it's <laughs> certainly uh, kind of different um, than some of the other ones. Yeah. The um, I did the whole Miyazaki run. I think twenty nineteen, wow, okay. 2018, 2019, When I like just sat down and watched every single one of them, and um, um, the the biggest surprise I had was how much I like Kiki's Delivery Service. Like I, it's a very good movie. Felt like I didn't expect to like like it because you know they're all good, but like yeah. that's one where it just hit me in just such the right way where it's like this is just fantastic. So yeah, that just yeah. sits right and there. That's also mind. one where I was like, Phil Hartman's a great choice for this cat. Yeah. <laughs> Not, the you're not version. wrong yes yeah. i'm sorry for the dub version yeah all right next question we have here who are your favorite characters from Miyazaki movies philip heard has kiki and porco rosso there you go and kiki is also a favorite of mine and also her cat um but also in the movie um whatchamacallit uh not i chihiro is fine and spirited away but i'm thinking of um uh, but like that flame guy that she hangs out with, Billy Crystal, is it? Is it really Billy Crystal? No, is, that's is... in that's in Howl's Moving Castle. It's Billy oh, Crystal's like the but, flame. Um, <laughs> yeah, like he he shows up in the flame in um, I think that is Howl's Moving Castle where it's like the flame guy. He just shows up in the breakfast and he yeah wants no to be, yeah okay that is then that's Billy Crystal. Yeah, he wants to be like a real a real <laughs> character or something. Yes. Um, but from from uh Spirited Away, I really like that old Spider Man guy. Like not Spider Man, but he got like. Six I know what legs. you're saying. Yeah. And he's like, he, he's running the furnace with all like the little dust dust bunnies. Mm-hmm. Uh, I My exerts are exactly as Phillips, the Kiki and Porco Rosso. There you go. Although I will say this, Ponyo does love ham. <laughs> Just throw and that wants, out there. And wants to be a real person. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we got a question here now. This one's okay. from Irene Johnson. She writes, what are your feelings about Disney finally having theatrical releases for Soul, Luca, and Turning Red? I was surprised to hear about it, and I'm glad I'll get a chance to see them on the big screen. Do you think it was a mistake on Disney's part not to have a theatrical release like they did for Encanto and Raya and the Last Dragon? Uh, to answer that second part first, there is no worse mistake Disney has made than putting Pixar movies on their streaming platform and ruining Pixar's <laughs> legendary slate as being like must-see in theater movies. That is, It, it is a demonstrable <laughs> action that they took that they're very slowly recovering from like elemental fortunately became like even and Abe and I are like, we're, we're fine on elemental. But like, fine with it, yeah. But like, fortunately it wasn't like some outright bomb. Like people thought it was when it opened on its weekend, it had great legs and stayed in theater and stayed, yeah. you know, in the box office because Hey, it's the only game in town and Pixar tends to deliver for all audiences, but it's, it is a disaster to look at that. And even, you know, with the circumstances being what they were with COVID, the fact that it kept going after the fact, you know, when other movies were in theaters and we're still seeing Luca and turning red mm-hmm. going straight to Disney plus was just such a bad choice altogether. Um, and has clearly shown consequences in that regard. So mm-hmm. yes, it would, I'm, 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 one of the biggest mistakes that, that Disney could have made was that. Mm-hmm. Um, um, yeah. Very strong feelings. Um, to answer Irene's question, I love that Soul, Luca, and Turning Red are getting theatrical releases this in 2024. Um, when I read that news, I was I was very elated because I was very upset 
that Soul, Luca, and Turning Red did not get the actual releases when they came out. And I know that it was a COVID situation and whatever else, but you still had Disney movies that were getting theatrical releases. And then on top of that, you had some things where they were telling Pixar, you can choose one or the other to get a theatrical release. And they chose things like Lightyear, um, which did not do well because, you know, it kind of plot wise was very confusing. Well, but- yeah, it's a mix of the movie being average and that Disney had already kneecapped itself by releasing yeah. Pixar movies on Disney plus. So now right. it's like, wait, why are we going to a theater when we can just watch these on Disney plus? Yeah. And I, I feel, you know, I felt so badly for the directors of soul, Luca and turning red, specifically soul and turning red, where it was like minority directors um, that were directing these and they kind of got the short shrift which is unfortunate because they were excellent movies. Like all three of these, were, Luca was my number one movie of like 2021 or whatever, right? To, to its credit, like Soul was December 20. Yeah, it was like right uh, before like we went to like lockdown kind of thing. No, no, it was December 2020. It was, we were in lockdown. Oh, and, we were in uh, lockdown. Yeah, it because it, like, because on, Onward was the one that got in theaters Onward, and then lockdown yeah. happened. And then it was that winter. Yeah. It, came, it was like, it felt like, okay, like here's Disney giving a gift. They're going to put Soul up because. Right. What options do we have? No end in sight, kind of thing. Yeah. I can get it sucks, but like I get it. Sure. But then they kept doing it. That's what. Yeah. Made yeah. And so, yeah. And so I'm glad that they're kind of. I don't know if they're correcting their mistakes, so they're just like we need a hit. Because Aaron informed me via text. He's like, "Hey man, Wish came out. Do you want to see it?" And I was like, "I didn't know the Wish came out." <laughs> um. And so it's one of those things where it's not that these things are flopping, just more that they're just, you know, there is what we talked about this entire episode with the trailers and whatever, there is an inherent like built in like uh, a shea of like feelings and, and emotions in a Pixar movie. Um, people have known the Pixar brand to be one that is uh, relatable on multiple levels, but also hard hitting emotionally at times. And these three movies are very much in line with that. And I feel bad because, you know, you get something like Lightyear, which has one emotional sequence where time passes. But at the same time, like there's not a whole lot else to it. And even Elemental, which I thought was like kind of messy at times, it didn't really have like the 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 charm factor that these three movies had. So I'm very excited for them. I, I would love to go see them in theaters 100 percent for sure. And I will I will be supporting them because they are fantastic and they should have never been in that position to begin with. And I think that's like, you know, a, a huge mistake on the previous Disney administration. And now that they've got like, you know, Bob Iger back, maybe they'll, they'll kind of reverse course, but hopefully it isn't one of those situations where they were just like, well, let's just release it in at, uh, at home because people will mostly watch it at home. It's like people still probably make most of their money back from the box office. And that's where you should also see movies like this. Yeah, uh, Soul was on my top ten of its year. Yeah. Um, I think, and uh, you know, if, uh, given the opportunity, I'd love to be able to see yeah. you know these Pixar movies on the big screen. I think that we both really enjoyed Turning Red. Turning Red was like my pick. I I was I was upset that it didn't get like nominated for best best something. Um, so or it might have just been like my heart pick for for best animated feature. But um, yeah. Yeah, I, I like Turning Red quite a bit. Um, it it got the Oscar nom. It just it didn't win. But I mean, yeah, yeah. but it, yeah, it was. It got its recognition, but yeah. um, but no, I mean, yeah, the the opportunity for you know for audiences to get to see this on a big screen, I think, is just nice in itself. So right, like in that regard, good. Um, right, and yeah, I just 
with with inside out 2 being the next pixar film i do like i think that helps as far as how to get people back into the groove of watching pixar movies on a big screen Mm -hmm. because that's you know something people are already aware of at that point so that you know the familiarity of the ip helps because you know before a movie like lightyear whiffs you have a movie like the first inside out which makes nearly a billion dollars and it's a completely original ip i mean it's mm-hmm. like there's there's nothing there's nothing there's nothing like it before right. <laughs> and it, it you know cleaned up same with like coco another giant success at the at the time based on nothing at all beyond just being a pixar film yeah um, that's where i'd love to see pixar get and it's back probably to. like a top five pixar movie for me now. oh yeah i love coco oh my god yeah. <laughs> um so yeah all right well thank you for that question thank you for that irene and um, so before we wrap up, <laughs> because w- why not keep this long episode? Yeah. Going? <laughs> uh, and an idea that I thought would be fun for Abe and I to, to participate in and serve as a, I guess, like a sort of a weird kind of recommendation where we thought what if we had to plan a triple feature holiday special, what would that be? Uh, so we both came up with, a, you know, a three set list of movies. Mm-hmm. So Abe, I want to invite you first to to detail what yeah. these movies are and what like your what the what the thought is behind them. Absolutely. These movies to me, you know, when I think about holiday movies, I think about like, you know, good family movies. Uh, but the way that I approached this was kind of like a dinner set menu type of thing for dinner. So you get, you know, you uh, you've got your um uh oh, I can't even think about it. Appetizer. appetizer? <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> If you get your appetizer, which kind of like helps put you in the mood, kind of like uh, lets you get going there. And then you get your entree, which is kind of like maybe a more meaty, but also like filling it and nice. And then you get your dessert, um, which might be uh, sweet, might be tart, whatever the case might be. So the way that I developed this is uh, that methodology. And the movies that I would choose for you for a triple feature for a Christmas holiday thing in terms of a appetizer would be Home Alone. Um, this is a movie that I love and I watch every Christmas and I know that Aaron doesn't like it as much as I do. He likes part two, um, uh, more than part one, but it will really get you. It helps set you in the mood. And I think the thing that really helps set you in the mood is John Williams score, like, which is fantastic. It's very, uh, of the season. And regardless of what you think about, like the human interaction and maybe like the, the stuff that happens throughout the score will always bring you back because that's the thing that kind of ends the movie. Um, but there's also a lot of Christmas music in there. So it's it's a nice, easy introduction into the day. I can I could concede that part one is a better movie than part two. Oh, thank you, man. <laughs> thank you for being so jolly this holiday season. I, 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 do, I do just laugh at the absurdity of part two a little bit more. That's all. <laughs> yeah. When Marv gets electrocuted and turns into a skeleton. Yeah, I get yeah, it. It's, 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 yeah, it's funny. And bricks being thrown from a three-story building. I get and it. And they just get back up again. <laughs> it's funny. Um, as far as like the entree goes, something that's a little bit meatier, um, it's still in the van of Christmas, but something that I really enjoy is uh, a Muppet's Christmas Carol. And the reason why it's here is because it has some darker elements to it. But you know what? Michael Caine fucking bringing it. He's bringing it 100%. He is talking to these Muppets. He's talking to like these sock puppets and giving it his all. I think on top of that, you have really good songs. And it ends up in a place that, you know, you've seen a Christmas Carol uh, plenty of times. But I think really what sets apart the Muppet Christmas Carol one is that you have the Rizzo and Gonzo characters as uh, Charles Dickens and and company kind of narrating you through all this and kind of helping you guide you through it. It's probably not like the most media in terms of like, oh, well, it's family fun, whatever. But I think that it's actually just one of the better Muppet movies in general and also one of the best retellings of A Christmas Carol. 
Um, so you can have that. And my last part, the dessert, something short and sweet. It's the Charlie Brown Christmas. <laughs> and I think that it's it'll get you in and out in 20 minutes. The other thing about it is it, it, the, the score is fantastic from, from uh, Vince Giraldi and Trio. And you've probably heard it many times, the Christmas song music, uh, the Christmas time music, but also just a lot of the jazz style things and Charlie Brown just being there for you. Um, 20 minutes again, in and out, you'll, you'll finish up your day after like two and a half hours, uh, two hours for home alone, maybe like another two hours, hour and a half. They're probably only an hour and a half each. So like three hours and, uh, 50 minutes, 20 minutes. <laughs> I like your guessing run times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> don't, don't play that game with me. I'm like, I'm I won't yeah. <laughs> don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Aaron? What was your methodology? Um, you know, it's not too dissimilar from yours in terms of that kind of logic. I, uh, I start out, although actually, no, I take that back. What I, I, there's like distinct flavors going on here, but the, the, the idea is to kind of bring you in. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so like the, the first film I wanted to go with was something that's just like, well, it's like a big catch all, like get you excited kind of, let's have a lot of fun with this, get in the zone kind of thing. And I have catch me if you can. Hey, okay. I see kind this. Of, Kind of, you know, all audiences kind of have a fun with this kind of thing. Big, you know, Steve Spielberg, cat and mouse game thing. Fun performance from Leo. Fun performance from Tom Hanks. Mm-hmm. Um, just Christmas you know, setting. Christmas setting. Yeah, walking just in the hole, doing his stuff too. Yeah, like just great fantastic. stuff all around. Um, get you get you in a good feeling by the end of it and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, then in the middle, I wanted like something a little meatier, mm-hmm. um, but still like you know warm and enjoyable uh but some, and also i wanted to like skew more towards a classic uh so i went with uh the apartment uh billy wilder's the apartment the apartment okay with um with old with old gill with jack lemon and um old gill old gill he's just gotta sell one more car <laughs> but no with jack lemon uh shirley mcclain and ben friend mcmurray mm-hmm. um classic um romantic comedy um that's a good at, pick it has a a bit of an edge to it because of the nature of what uh, McLean and McMurray are going through while like lemons there kind of just waiting on the side, trying like thinking he'll do something about it perhaps. Um, and just a fucking classic movie. It's just really great. <laughs> and it's uh, occasionally very funny um, and just really well shot and everything. Uh, but also just again, like it has a bit more uh, thematic depth going on um, to kind of, uh, further things along for the holidays but then to end to end things out to round it out i figured mm-hmm. let's just get like a big laugh heavy comedy um that perhaps is not for the kids but i went with bad santa um <laughs> just something that okay. just it just goes wildly off the edge with the humor yeah. um uh which yeah this is a movie that's gonna do it just just so wonder- the kids are asleep at this point the kids are asleep at this point they yeah. they they, 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 they fell asleep a, in the apartment they watched a near drama with the apartment they're like i guess we're going to sleep now no time for billy bob right. thornton and tony cox to face off in verbal sparring in some just gut busting sequences that i think are hysterical uh, along with john um john ritter and and um bernie mac just also like throwing in uh, you know, from from the forty yard line, other like zingers that are killing it. Um, yeah, this is just great. Um, yeah. I I think that and the and even the kid in that movie is hysterical. Like, there's yeah. just so much. He, he yells at the kid, drops a few f bombs. There, there's some great stuff in there. Yeah. Um, yeah, some bad Santa rounds okay. out my 
my my my, my trilogy here. All right, so yours is a little bit more like you know adult R rated. <laughs> And much like goofy, <laughs> it, it, it it progresses. It goes from yes, more yeah. lighthearted <laughs> to some serious substance matter into bad Santa, <laughs> right? Into bad Santa. And like even saying these out loud is like I'm definitely watching all three of these. <laughs> I'm gonna do that. It's yeah, like, yeah, I hear you. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's a nice triple feature. Thank you for here's that. Here's a nice too. Thanks. Yeah. With all of that said, that's gonna do it for this week's episode about now, Aaron and Abe. Uh, you can find all my work on my personal blog, thecodedzeek.com. Everything new ends up over there. I write for Leave in, I write for We Live Entertainment for movie reviews and Wise is Blue for Criterion and Blu-ray reviews. And I'm on Twitter at Aaron's PS4. Abe? You can find more friends over my Instagram, Abe.mua and Twitter.com slash Walrus Moose. Hashtag, you think you're so great because you have boats. <laughs> you can find all the other episodes of Out Now Theron Name on Audio Boom, iTunes, and Spotify. I said that backwards. iTunes, Audio Boom, and Spotify. <laughs> SoundCloud, Podomatic, and Nature should be low G. Feel free to email us at outnowpodcast.gmail.com. Check out our Facebook.com slash outnowpodcast or Twitter.com slash podcast. And our Instagram page, Instagram.com slash podcast as well. And, of course, leave us a review or rating at iTunes or Spotify. Be great. Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, next week's show, um, Wonka time, guys. Wow. All that Wonka. <laughs> get, your, uh, get your candy bags ready. Wonka's coming to town. He's leaving no prisoners. I think that's the tagline. Mm, okay. Um, yeah, but, yeah, but yeah, we're going to talk all about Wonka. So get ready for that. Um, yeah. With that said, um, there's no guest to thank because there's no one out here. So I will thank you, the listeners, for listening to all of this that we've gone over. Abe, I'm very happy to have you back here. I've made up for all the previous shows. We did a three-hour show. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, that's going to do it for this week's episode. So until next time, so long. And goodbye. <laughs> Umarata の中ですれ違い時に人を傷つけながら光に触れて影を伸ばして